With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Oh, it's less than. They're not up to par. Well, fast forward 30 years. We're no longer in a rundown feed store. God has blessed us with the former compact center. The premier facility in our city in the most prestigious part of town. That was God balancing the books. God bringing justice. When I was growing up, it never bothered me that people made fun. In fact, I never even paid attention to it. But God does pay attention. He is keeping the records of who's trying to push you down, who's trying to discredit you. He's adding up all the deficits, and at the right time, He's going to balance your book. Some of the things God is going to pay you back for isn't because of wrongs done to you, but because of what your parents had to put up with, because of injustices to those that went before you. See, my father never saw the level of influence that God's blessed me with, and I say that very humbly. I recognize that I am reaping from the life my father lived. This is God balancing the books in our family. There are people in your family line. They kept doing the right thing when the wrong thing was happening. They gave, they served, they honored God, but they never saw total justice. Well, get ready. Like with me, God is going to bless you to make up for what should have been there. God is not going to leave your family out of balance. You're going to come into blessings that you didn't work for. For good breaks that you didn't deserve, doors will open that should have never opened. It wasn't because of anything you did. That's God paying your family back for what they were owed. This is what happened with the Israelites. They had been in slavery for ten generations. They were mistreated, taken advantage of, forced to work long hours, given these quotas that were impossible to meet. After 430 years, God brought them out of slavery. They could have left, and that in itself would have been a great miracle. They were finally free. But they didn't leave empty-handed with their heads down in shame. They had worked 430 years without pay. They were owed a whole lot. God said, all right, it's time to balance the books. On their way out, God caused them to have favor with their captors. The same people that had mistreated them for years. The same ones that had looked down on them, made their lives miserable. Suddenly, they had a change of heart. And they gave the Israelites their gold, their silver, their clothing. The Israelites left there pushing wheelbarrows full of treasures. That was God balancing the books, paying them back for those 430 years. God sees every deficit. He sees every wrong done to you and your family. He knows what you're owed. There will be a day, like with the Israelites, God says, enough is enough. It's time to balance your books. He's promised He will compensate you. Now quit worrying about what you lost. Who did you wrong? Who put you at a disadvantage? 
Who's not giving you the credit? God saw what happened, and he's saying, it's payback time. You're coming out, not empty-handed, not looked down on, not seen as second class. You're coming out promoted, vindicated, respected with abundance. Favor that you didn't deserve. Blessings chasing you down. That's the God of justice paying you back for what you were owed. young man told me recently how he was raised in a very negative environment. His father wasn't in his life. His mother was never around. She had a lot of issues of her own. He couldn't understand why he had been dealt that hand, why he was put at such a disadvantage. I told him what I'm telling you. Life may not be fair, but God saw what happened, and he's going to make it up to you. Here's the whole key. You can't go around with a chip on your shoulder thinking about what mama didn't give you, what daddy didn't give you. God knew what your parents weren't going to be able to give you. It didn't stop his plan. If you will stay in faith, God will balance your books. If you didn't get as much in one area, he is a God of justice. He'll give you more in another area to make up for it. You may feel like you got shortchanged in life. You didn't have a good childhood. You're dealing with an illness. Your boss doesn't give you any credit. Don't worry. God sees what you're owed. He's keeping the records. He may not be able to give you another childhood. He may not be able to bring a loved one back that you lost, but he can make the rest of your life so rewarding, so fulfilling, you don't even think about what you didn't get. Balanced books means you're not living from a place of deficit. You're not living from a place of loss, always thinking about what you're lacking. When my dad went to be with the Lord in 1999, I lost one of my best friends. I'd worked with him for 17 years. And we'd traveled the world together. But today, even though I miss my father, even though I would love for him to be here, God has blessed me in so many other areas I'm not living from a place of deficit. And sure, that first year, the loss was extra heavy. I was a little out of balance. But then God began to bring new gifts out of me, open new doors, cause things to fall into place. What was happening? He was balancing my books. Maybe somebody walked out of a relationship and broke your heart. Don't live bitter. Don't give up on life. That is not the end. You may be out of balance right now, that loss is extra heavy, but God saw the hurt. He saw the betrayal. And like with me, God is going to pay you back. He's going to bring somebody better into your life than you've ever even imagined. Or maybe a dream didn't work out. You didn't get the scholarship. The medical report wasn't good. Now you have to take a whole other round of treatment. In these tough times, when life doesn't seem fair, you have to keep reminding yourself that he is a just God. He sees what you're going through, and you are not going to live from a place of deficit. All through the day, Lord, I want to thank you that you're balancing my books. Lord, I believe that payback is coming. Healing is coming. Vindication is on the way. This is what allows God to pay you back for what you were owed. Not going around discouraged, blaming others, in self-pity. The hand you've been dealt may not have been fair, but it is not a surprise to God. He already has a way to settle your case. Every time you're tempted to worry, just turn it around and thank Him that payback is on the way. 
thank Him that you too are going to live from a place of no loss. I talked to a lady recently, and she had been married for 14 years, has beautiful children, life was good. But one day, out of the blue, her husband informed her he was leaving for another woman. She was totally blindsided, didn't see it coming, very devastated. She'd been a stay-at-home mom, hadn't been in the workforce for over 10 years. She didn't know what she's going to do and how she would be able to raise her children. Two weeks later, while she was still numb, still trying to take it in, an old girlfriend from high school contacted her. They hadn't talked in 20 years. This girlfriend said, I'm starting a new business, and out of nowhere, your name came to mind. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in being my business partner. This lady told how she's going through a divorce, and she didn't have extra funds to invest into a business. Her girlfriend said, I don't need any funds. I have all the money. I just want you to work with me in this business. That company totally took off. Today, this lady is extremely blessed. She has more than enough to take care of her family. Friends, God knows how to balance your books. He didn't promise that unfair things would never happen, but He did promise He will compensate you for what you're owed. He's already lined up the right people to search you out. He can make things happen that you could never make happen. You may have gone through a disappointment, a bad break. Somebody did you wrong. Get ready. Payback is coming. Vindication is on the way. There was a young lady in the scripture named Leah. She and her sister Rachel were both married to Jacob. Rachel was much more beautiful, so Jacob didn't give Leah much time or attention. I'm sure Leah felt inferior, not good enough, at a disadvantage. But the scripture says, because Leah was unloved, God let her have a baby while Rachel was still childless. Leah went on to have four sons before Rachel had one baby. Back in those days, having a son was a big deal. God was saying, Leah, since your husband is not treating you right, since you didn't get the beautiful looks like your sister, I'm going to balance your books and give you something that will cause Jacob to notice you. I'm going to let you have children before your sister. What am I saying? God shows special favor to people that are seen as having a disadvantage. You may think somebody else got all the good breaks, good childhood, good looks, good personality. Don't worry, your time is coming. God has some advantages for you that are going to cause you to stand out. You are not going to live always being in the shadow of somebody more beautiful, more talented, more successful. God's going to cause you to shine. You're going to excel. You're going to be known. You're going to leave your mark. And what you think you didn't get in looks, in personality, in your upbringing, God is going to make it up for you. He's going to balance your books. And like with Leah, those times when people try to make you feel inferior, make you feel small, try to discredit you, that does not go unnoticed. God sees every injustice. He hears every negative comment. He sees every tear. The scripture says, a little bird, a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without God knowing about it. How much more does God see everything that happens to you? You're his child, his most prized possession. 
When somebody does you wrong, God takes it personally. He doesn't sit back and say, well, I wish they wouldn't do that. No, that's when God gets up and goes to work. Just like as parents, if we see somebody mistreat our children, we go overboard to make things right. One time when our daughter Alexandra was about four years old, just a little girl, I just bought her an ice cream cone, and we walked out of the shop, and there were some friends there that we stopped to talk to. There were a bunch of little children playing there on the sidewalk, running, having fun, as they were eating their ice cream cones. As I was talking to my friends, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, this one little boy, about 10 years old, he was playing very rough. I thought to myself, he needs to be careful because that's my little girl over there and I don't want her to get hurt. And he didn't mean to, but accidentally he bumped into Alexandra really hard, caused her to drop her ice cream cone on the ground. And you know, that was okay until he started making fun of her and teasing her and saying, ha ha, now you don't have any ice cream. Alexandra came right over to me. She knew daddy would make things right. And we went back into the ice cream store and Normally, I would get her one scoop. She is four years old. But I said, this time, we're going to get you three scoops. So you're going to have more than anybody else. It was so funny. She went out of that store, found that little boy, and started waving that ice cream just like that. She got that from Victoria. I'm telling you that. It's just like she was saying, look what you did. You caused me to get three times what I had before. See, that little boy... He may have meant it for harm, but as her father, I meant it for good. That's the way your heavenly father is. Somebody does you wrong, you go through an unfair situation, God sees it. Here's the beauty. God never brings you out the same. He'll always bring you out better. Isaiah said, because you got a double dose of trouble, your inheritance in the land will be double and your joy will go on forever. Don't complain about the disappointment. It puts you in position to receive double. That setback, that bad break, it may look like a setback, but really it is a setup for God to show out in a greater way. God is about to balance your books. People that have been against you, some of them for years, tried to push you down, treat you condescending, things are about to change. They're going to see God's favor on your life. They're going to treat you with the respect and the honor that you deserve. When the Israelites were in slavery, Moses told Pharaoh again and again to let the people go, but Pharaoh wouldn't listen. He didn't respect Moses. He thought, who are you, Moses, to tell me what to do? I'm the Pharaoh. I'm the leader around here. I'm wearing this royal robe. I live in the palace. Moses, you're a shepherd. You don't have any credentials. You're not successful. You live out in the desert. You've been wearing those same clothes for 40 years. You're nothing compared to me. He dismissed Moses, saw him as secondary. This happened over and over. Every time Moses went back to tell him that another plague was coming, Pharaoh didn't even give him the time of day. He thought, oh man, here comes that crazy guy Moses again, trying to tell me what to do. What's interesting is after the last plague, when Pharaoh finally decided to let the people go, they not only gave the Israelites their gold and silver, Pharaoh said in Exodus chapter 12, Moses, take your flocks, your herds, all your people, you can leave, but one thing, give me your blessing before you go. 
Now, instead of looking down on Moses, instead of seeing him as second class, he recognizes God's hand on Moses' life. He sees the honor, the influence, the anointing, so much so, he asked Moses to bless him. And part of God balancing your books is people that don't respect you, people that discredit, try to push you down. They're going to have a change of heart and see God's hand of blessing and favor on your life. They're going to ask for your blessing. The scripture says God can turn the heart of a king. God knows how to change people. You don't have to play up to someone, try to convince them to like you, let them control you and manipulate you. Just keep running your race, being your best, walking in your anointing, honoring God, and God will turn the hearts of those that are against you. It may not happen overnight. It may take years, but God will balance your books. There will be a day, like with Moses, when he saw the person that disrespected him the most, the Pharaoh that wouldn't even look him in the eyes, is now asking for his blessing. It says in Proverbs, when you honor God, he'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. Don't be upset when people do you wrong. You go through an unfair situation. Just keep honoring God, and one day they'll ask for your blessing. One translation says your enemies will end up shaking your hand. I met a man in the lobby a while back, and he was a pastor in another state. He told how he was our biggest critic. He used to tell his congregation not to watch. He wrote articles against us, very outspoken. But a couple of years ago, he went through a major health crisis. He had to resign from his church, didn't know if he was going to make it. And one night, flipping through the channels, he came across our program. He watched us for the first time. He said, Joel, I haven't turned you off since. Now I'm your biggest supporter. I tell everybody to watch you. You helped me make it through the most difficult time of my life. He gave me a big hug and said, will you pray for me? Had to think about it for a little while, but <laughs> this is what the scripture says. When you honor God, he'll balance your books. He'll cause your enemies to shake your hand. Instead of criticizing you, they'll end up celebrating you. In the New Testament, no one was more opposed to the church than Saul. Saul was having believers arrested and put in prison. When Stephen was stoned to death for being a follower of Christ, Saul was right there giving his approval. One day Saul was on the road to Damascus with letters in hand to arrest believers. But in the middle of his journey, a bright light shined down from heaven and knocked him flat on his back. He became blind. He couldn't see it. They had to lead him into Damascus. For three days, he was so distraught, he went without food and water. One night, he saw a vision of a man named Ananias praying for him. Once again, his eyes became open. He could see. Well, Ananias was one of the main believers. Think about what God did. Saul is sitting there blind. The one who has the answer to his prayer is the one he came to arrest. He was Ananias' biggest critic. Now he needs what Ananias has. Instead of wanting to persecute Ananias, he's saying, please go see if Ananias will come pray for me. You may have people like Saul in your life. They've been against you for years. Maybe not that vocal, but they're condescending. They try to push you down. Don't worry, payback is coming. 
God is your vindicator. You keep taking the high road, keep doing the right thing. One day, God will cause them to need what you have. They'll come to you asking for your help, your blessing, your favor. Ananias said, God, I'm not going to go pray for Saul. That means killing people. This is a setup. They're going to arrest me. God said, no, Ananias, it's not what you think. I've changed things. Saul, I'm going to use him in a great way. Ananias went and prayed for his greatest enemy. He did good to someone who had spent years doing bad to him. This is a test we all must pass. Will you be good to the Sauls in your life when you have what they need? Will you show them favor even though they've been mistreating you? If you want God to balance your books, you have to be the bigger person and bless those who have cursed you. In their time of need, don't withhold what you have. Don't say, well, too bad, Saul. I'm glad you're blind. Now maybe you'll leave me alone. No, do good to those that persecute you. Ananias went over and prayed for Saul. After he did, his eyes were opened. And, of course, Saul became the Apostle Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament. But when people come against us, unfair situations happen, it's easy to get upset try to pay somebody back or prove to them who we are. No, don't waste your emotional energy on the souls in your life. Wait for God to do it His way. God sees every injustice. He hears every negative comment. He's adding up all the deficits, all the wrongs. And at the right time, God will make things happen you could never make happen. He'll cause people to need what you have. Friends, your time is coming. You are not going to live in a deficit mode. Like Isaiah said, you may have gone through a double dose of trouble, but get ready for a double dose of blessing. The God of justice is saying it's payback time. Now believe and declare God is about to balance your books. Promotion is coming. Healing is coming. Vindication is coming. Because you honor God, even your enemies are going to be at peace with you. In Jesus' name. And if you receive it, can you say amen today? We never like to close our broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Friends, if you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. Get in a good Bible-based church. Keep God first place. He's going to take you places that you've never dreamed. Start each day off right by having Joel lead you in declaring the truth of who you are in Christ through this powerful 31-day audio devotional, The New You. Good morning, you blessed, prosperous, successful, strong, Talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, focused, highly favored child of the Most High God. The New You, available this month as a thank you for your support of our ministry. Request your copy of The New You today at JillLosteen.com or call us toll free. Your partnership makes this ministry possible. Your faithful and consistent monthly support makes you a champion of hope. The vision of Joel Osteen Ministries is to use every avenue available to present the hope of Jesus Christ to people everywhere. We know it is this hope and the transforming power of the gospel that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. 
to partner with Joel Osteen Ministries. Visit joelosteen.com slash partner today. Do you have a dream God has put in your heart? Are you ready to see that dream become a reality? This month, TBN wants to build your faith with a new resource from Bishop T.D. Jakes and Pastor Mark Batterson titled, Turn Your Dream Into Your Destiny. These two gifted pastors will show you how to boldly fight for your God-given dream and victoriously step into your destiny. Every morning you wake up, you have a destiny to fulfill. And the reason I know you have a destiny to fulfill is you are not dead. When you run out of destiny, you will die. I think at some point you got to take that step of faith. And say, even if I fail, this is a dream we're going after. Through this new multi-disc series that is both audio CD and DVD, you will step into your destiny. And it's our thank you for your gift of support to TBN this month. And in appreciation for your gift of $60 or more, we'll also include the best-selling books, Destiny by T.D. Jakes and Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. These great books reveal how life's greatest fulfillment comes from living your divine purpose and how you can fearlessly chase after your God-sized dreams. So to help you further unwrap the reality of all God's God has set in place for you. We'll also send you Bishop T.D. Jake's complete six DVD and six CD series, Destiny Steps, in gratitude for your gift of support of $175 to TBN. Thanks to partners and friends like you, TBN is taking the gospel message of hope and grace to millions of souls all around the world. Call 800-201-5200 or go securely online to tbn.org slash giving to share a gift of support and request your copy of the Turn Your Dream Into Your Destiny DVD CD set. Or for your gift of $60 or more, we'll add the Destiny and Chase the Lion books or receive all these resources plus Bishop Jake's complete six DVD and six CD series, Destiny Steps, for your generous gift of $175 or more. Call, click, or write today. Up next, watch Joseph Prince proclaiming the gospel of grace on TBN. You're watching TBN, celebrating 43 years of God's miracles. program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Joseph Burton, and I can feel how you've been so heavy, haven't been able to sleep, and there's several of you that haven't been able to sleep inside of me. I come against that right now. Some of you are going to be able to sleep tonight. You have Give the thing that you need. Give what you need to get what you want. As promised, this week I want to preach to you from the topic, how to give yourself a cheer-up checkup. Sometimes we settle in life just for something that will make us feel better for a minute. And we don't want that kind of cheer. We want good cheer. Can you have good cheer in a problematic predicament? Apparently you can. There's a scripture, y'all. There's a scripture in Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah. He's calling, God's calling Jeremiah to be a minister. And he gave him a speech. And I never understood this verse until I became a pastor. He said, Jeremiah 1, 8, do not be afraid of their... 
faces. For I am with you to deliver you. Come on, tell the person next to you, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Come on, I'm talking to myself too. You know, we, we ought to reflect the joy of the one who put us here. We really ought to. I'm not just talking anymore about how you physically look. I understand some of us, you know, you're saying, well, I mean, I look angry, but I'm not angry. I'm just focused. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. That's great. That's great. But do you know how many people go through life with a cheerless countenance? Just like, like, I remember in middle school, I went to a middle school where there was a lot of uh, fighting. And, and so what you learn to do when you're a small guy is you look tough. And if you just look crazy enough in your eyes, nobody will mess with you. I learned that. You've got to look like you've got a brick in your backpack or something. Everybody leave you alone. So I just learned to walk through the halls like, 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 you know. And I think that's where it started. You just, if you go through something early in life, that's hard. You go through life with a harsh countenance. <laughs> Gritting your teeth and... Mm. Now, I've been trying an experiment lately. I'm like, I wonder if my emotions can be tricked by my face. So lately, I've just been forcing myself to have a better facial expression in hopes, you know, how, like in basketball, there's a head fake. You can head fake your opponent. I'm going this way. No, I'm not. I'm going that way. It's a head fake. I'm wondering, can you face fake the devil? I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm just trying this. I've been trying a little while now. Like, I'll just bust out in a spontaneous smile. Just the dumbest, stupidest, looking for, I just, I'll be in the middle of a situation, you know, frustrated, fed up, and I'll just start smiling. Just, and you know, your emotions really aren't that smart. I found out you can lead them where you tell them to go. You can just, hey, I love traffic. This is more time for me to pray. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to laugh, just laugh. Going through hell, just laugh, just force out. Just, ah, 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 ah. Car broke down again. Ah, 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 ah. Just, just put a different look on your face and send a different signal to your soul. We're going to get through this. We're not just going to survive it either. We're going to thrive today. I'm going to smile about it. And, and, and I, thought, I thought this was just a small thing. I thought, well, this is just a, a small thing. But, you know, in the scripture, countenance is a huge deal to God. I know because I Googled it. I Googled it. And I found this scripture that they used to read in the Methodist church where I grew up. Every week the pastor would say it. I didn't pay any attention to it. To me it was just wah, 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 wah. But he said it every week. It's a blessing from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. Listen to this. How beautiful this is. This is the blessing that God gave the priest to give to the people. They would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. You know, if his face is shining upon you, your face is going to shine back out into the world. That's the truth. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. 
upon you and give you peace. That sounds like Jesus. I have told you these things that ye might have peace. And when in the world you have tribulation, don't let what's going on around you get on you. And don't let it get in you. But, but have a different countenance. Have, have a different look about you. You know, people ought to just be able to see in your eyes whether you're smiling or not. You know, you got to cry sometimes. Everything is not happy. Everything is not something to smile about. I get that. But if, we're, if, if, we, are, if we are the sons and daughters of God, our facial expression ought to resemble the expression of our Father. I saw Elijah the other day. He made a face, y'all, an angry face. It looked so much like me, it made me mad how much it looked like me. So I made the face back at him that he made back at me. You know, as children, we will always reflect what we resemble, and we will resemble what we perceive about our parents. And this, is, this may be the coolest thing that I've seen in the Scripture a long time, because when it said, may he make his face shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you, I realized that, the way that you look at life is a direct reflection of the way you think God is looking at you. The way you look at your life is on your face. It's in your thoughts, your perspective. You are reflecting your perspective of your father's perspective of you. You are. So if you think that God is harsh, that's how you're going to look at life harsh. If you think God is unforgiving, guess how you're going to look at life? Guess how you're going to look at yourself? Guess how you're going to look at your kids? Guess how you're going to look at your girlfriend? Unforgiving. If you think that, if you think that God is judgmental, you're going to go through life judgmental. We become what we behold. I said we become what we behold. My buddy Eric Phillips is in this worship experience. I didn't share this in the other one, but you just made me think of it. I was watching him and his mom one day in their kitchen several years ago. I was looking at them, and they were, they were standing at the counter side by side. They had the exact same look on their face. I mean, I was just studying it. Eyes, nose, mouth, ears. Even their ears were, like, doing the same thing. And then, you know what's weird? What I realized from that? She wasn't even your birth mom. I was like, well, wait a minute. Because at the time I was thinking, he looked just like his mom. But wait a minute. Is it possible that you could be around somebody so long? Have you ever seen husbands and wives? No blood relation. But they've just been looking at each other so long that they have the same look. How is that possible? Because you will become what you continually behold. And I'm going to tell you, you can't spend time seeking the face of God and it not change your face. You can't spend time having him shine down upon you. I love what the Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 4. He said that the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. That's number six. It's just the New Testament version. He said, the, the God who made light shine out of darkness, who brings joy out of sorrow, who brings beauty from the ashes, that same God who created all of this, who makes the sun to shine upon the just and the unjust, that same God made his 
light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You know what you need to do this week? Get in God's face. You know what you need to do this week? Get in God's presence. You know what you need to do this week? Quit spending your time taking your cues from negative people and get in the face of a loving God who created you and let his countenance shine upon you and he will lift up your countenance and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Tell somebody next to you, you look happier than when you came in. That's what it'll do to get in the presence of God. It'll turn your frown. Tell somebody, check your countenance. Check your countenance. Do a countenance check on your row. See if anybody doesn't look like they got the joy of the Lord. Come on, if you're saved, look like it. If you're redeemed, look like it. If you're filled, look like it. If you're blessed, look like it. If you got joy, you know you got joy. Don't just sit on it. Look like it. Let it get up in your face. So we're going to work on that. Check your comments. And also tell them, tell them check your circulation. Because that's my second point that also starts with the letter C. You've got to check your countenance. And you've got to check your circulation. Look at Proverbs 15, 13. He said, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. I love how the Lord designs these series. If you don't come week after week, you really won't see how God just, he just builds. Because week one, he told me to tell you, guard your heart. Above all else, because everything you do flows from it. That was week one. And this week, he told me to talk about your countenance. I said, God, what does a countenance have to do with a heart? That's how Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. It flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Wait, wait. It flows from it. It flows from it. It, it flows from it. The world's definition of happiness and joy is based on what flows to you. God's definition of joy has much more to do with what flows from you. I preached guard your heart. I preached Proverbs 4.23 for years. And I said, be careful what you let into your heart. But he didn't say it's what flows to it. That's part of it. But he said it's what flows from it. So, next time you're down, check your circulation. You know, there's no life without circulation. There's, there's, no, there's no spiritual life without circulation, but there's no physical life without circulation. Did you know that the blood in your body makes a round trip through your entire body every 60 seconds? But every time your blood leaves your heart, it's coming back within one minute. Every 60 seconds. The heart pumps out the blood through your body to do its job to sustain your life. And, the blood, and your heart says to your blood, I see you in a minute. <laughs> and if it doesn't come back in a minute, it's trouble in your body. So now you're wondering why you're depressed. You're wondering why you're discouraged. 
You're wondering why you're down and you can't get up. You're wondering why you're sorrowful. You're wondering why your countenance has fallen. Could it be you've cut off your own circulation? Could it be that God is putting a lot into your life, but nothing's flowing back out, and it is cutting you off? Can I tell you something about a dead church? A dead church is not a church that has a certain style of music. No, 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 no. It's not a style. A dead church is not a church that's small or, or that's in a, a smaller community. That doesn't mean it's dead. A dead church is a church where there's no new life being born. So I want to look in that camera and say, if ever at any of our campuses there comes a time at Elevation Church where there are people in those baptismal tanks who came into church as sinners, as broken, dirty, low-down, rotten, disreputable sinners, if if we ever lose our flow, that's what I'm trying to say, if we ever don't have an influx of people coming in those doors who don't know Christ, who meet him and find him and declare him and are changed by him, we will die. You gotta you gotta learn to check your circulation. Is it possible that I'm not down because of something that I didn't get? But instead because of something I'm not giving? I mean, that's the most unnatural thing in the world. When you need encouragement, maybe the prescription for your pain is to give it. You don't feel like doing that. That's why you need the good stuff, the good cheer. I I found this Bible verse a long time ago. I thought it was a giving verse because it says in in, uh, Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And, and, and I think it is a giving verse, you know, as you can give and God will give to you. Great. But just before that in the verse, Jesus isn't talking about money. I found out in, in Luke 6.37, that comes before Luke 6.38. Write that down. Impress your friends. He's not talking about money. He's talking about forgiveness. He says, don't judge, you won't be judged. Don't condemn, you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. What is it? Whatever you give. Whatever you give. What are you putting into circulation in your life? You put bitterness into circulation, guess what's coming back into your heart? The same bitterness that you gave is coming back. You're drowning in the very thing that you delivered to your system. Somebody knows this. Maybe they lived it. Maybe they did it for a few years and then realized, if I want to change what I'm getting, I've got to change what I'm giving. I've got to let the right stuff flow in my life. I've got to get a new flow. I've got to get a new flow. I'm sick and tired of blaming people who weren't there for me. I've got to give something different. I've got to get something different circulating. I've 
I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep it moving. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. Somebody here is down today, and you're down because there's no movement. Where there's no movement, there's no blood flow. Where there's no blood flow, there's no life. And now your heart doesn't have what it needs to live spiritually, not because of what you didn't get, but because of what you didn't give. And if you give, it'll come back, and God will bring it from an unexpected source. He'll bring you that good cheer while while life has hung you on a cross. Wow. Is it possible? That what you need to do is give the thing that you need. Give what you need to get what you want. Now I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go overtime for just three minutes thirty seconds, and I'm not gonna get the point number three. I'm not gonna get the point number three. But let's talk about circulation for three minutes and 22 seconds. Did you know that when you come in church and you make just a decision to come, you create circulation for your week in your spiritual system? I mean, we, 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 we clap our hands. Why do we do that? Get the blood flowing. Get the blood flowing. I don't even like this song. I'm going to still clap because I need to get the blood flowing. I wanna, I wanna have more joy. If I wanna have more joy, I gotta rejoice. So I gotta get the blood flowing. But I don't feel joy. But I want joy, and I need joy, so I rejoice. I don't feel joy, but I want joy, and I need joy, so I rejoice. I'm not trying to make a song out of it. I'm just making a demonstration that when you do this, when you say amen to the word of God. When you give, when you yourself have a need, when you lift somebody else's head, when your own countenance is down, it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. If you want it to run, you got to move. Let's move. We've been cutting off our circulation. No wonder we don't have joy. No wonder it's not overflowing. No wonder I've been pulling the covers up over my head, hitting the snooze button seven times. I need to get it moving. I need some circulation. I need what God put in me to flow from me. See somebody say, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Keep it moving, keep it moving. When you're down, keep it moving. Broke down on the side of the road, keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Find somebody to encourage. Find somebody in the hospital who can't move. Show up somewhere where you're needed and keep it moving. And I don't want to quit, but I got to quit. I got to close. There's more people. They're waiting to come in. They'll hate you if you stay. They're riot in the parking lot. But I did want to tell you my third C so you wouldn't feel incomplete. Is check your connection. Check your connection. Everyone standing. Check your connection. Check your connection. Check your... There's a, there's a gentleman on our, our worship team who's been playing drums for us in the church. I guess about since we started within the first year. Is that right? 
Name is Luke. Show him the picture. That guy's that guy full of life. He's full of life. He's fun to watch on the, on the drums. Not any more fun than, than you, Dom, but he's fun to watch on the drums. But he, he, he got hit by a car in November. It's a miracle he's still alive. Dude almost died, but he's a fighter. He's been fighting through it. He had to go in the other day. They've been doing all these surgeries on him. And I wrote the details down. They had to repair his ACL, his MCL, his PCL, and his meniscus. How many of you think there's going to be a little pain associated with that? Yes, so they gave him a tube with a morphine ball and sent him home with a brace on his knee. Mac Brock, one of our worship leaders, the most handsome one. (laughs) Mac was saying that for five days he was calling Luke, checking in on Luke. You feeling any better? You feeling any better? You feeling any better? And every time he called, Luke said, no, I feel worse. I feel terrible. I feel awful. This stuff isn't working. They gave me. After five days of excruciating pain, you know what he discovered? That on the tube that was feeding the morphine or was supposed to feed the morphine into his leg where they had given him the button to press. He was pressing the button, but there was a clamp on the tube for five days. He just hitting that button, laying on the button, sitting on the button, praying for the button. But it wasn't the button that was broken. And it wasn't the stuff in the ball that didn't work. I don't have time to develop this thought. I wish I did. But I did want to tell you that it's not that the medicine that's in God isn't good medicine. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that the button's broken. It's not that he don't want to hear you when you pray. But it might be your connection. You got to check your connection. You got to find out what's clamping me down. What do I need to remove? What ego needs to go? What grumbling needs to go? Do I just need to lift my hands today? Do I just need to connect with my father today? Do I just need to let go of my burdens right now and let my head be lifted in the presence of God? Today's message is just one of a four-part series called Mood Swingers, where I teach you some of the practical ways that the Bible can help you take control of your moods before they take control of you. That's so great. And if they take control of you, they're going to run your life. Mm. But if you get these messages, I believe they'll speak encouragement to you, give you some practical solutions. Some of the messages are the great emoticon. I love it. It's all about how... Our mind plays tricks on us. Mm-hmm. Our moods play tricks mm-hmm. on us. The cheer up checkup. How to diagnose yourself. You know, you can't wait on somebody else That's right. to encourage you from time to time. Right. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Beating burnout. That's my personal favorite. That's where we talk about how to have pure joy, the kind of joy that will last through the night. And then the orchid and the oak tree, a uh, message that you preached, Holly. Yeah. Talking about how... We don't have to make things so complicated. Yeah, we don't have we to We can simplify. Yep. Yeah. And even though life is complex, there really is a simplicity that comes through focus when we take charge yeah. of how we feel according to what God says. And today we want to give you that chance. For a gift of any amount, 
you can get the entire Mood Swingers DVD series, all those messages that he just mentioned. All you have to do is call the number on your screen or visit us online at stephenverdict.com. And trust me when I say for your family and, and for your friends. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Elevation Experience. Can't wait to see you next time. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's message on the Elevation Experience, then we've got a special offer for you. For a limited time only, we are offering the Mood Swinger series on DVD for a donation of any amount. Life's full of ups and downs. There are so many outside factors in our lives that can swing our emotions from good to bad. A passionate life filled with drive and purpose is not something that's easily sustainable. In fact, life can often feel like it's smothering us, but that is never God's plan. Through Pastor Stephen's teachings, you'll learn what the Bible says about fighting our feelings and discover how to take control of your moods before they take control of you. See, if your attitude is a byproduct of your circumstance, your emotions will always be out of control. But if your attitude is not a, a result of your circumstance, but it's the result of the character of God, watch what you can do. You can swing that thing in the other direction. Also included is a bonus teaching from Pastor Stephen's wife, Holly, on the importance of being rooted in Christ so we can handle all that life throws at us. When those big frustrations come into your life, do you live like you know that what's beyond my control is in his control? For a donation of any amount, you can receive the Mood Swingers teaching series on DVD. Just visit us online at stephenfurtick.com or call us toll-free at the number on your screen to request this resource today. Thank you for tuning in to the Elevation Experience.
Lift your hands and bless them in this place.
Can we lift our hands together one time? My hallelujah belongs to you. Everybody, come on, we come to this place. Come and, and proclaim. 
claim your prophetic word, Lord God, that you have given to him to in, in his in his heart, in his mind, Lord God. Speak to him, Lord God, that he could hear from you, Lord God. Open his ears, Lord God, that he could hear the, hear you, hear your voice, Lord God, and be obedient to the will that you have called him to do. Father God, I can't imagine the task that he has upon him, Lord God. But I know, Lord God, it could be tiresome and it could be troublesome sometimes, Lord God. And you could want to want to thank the Lord God. Your word teaches us that to in all of our ways to acknowledge you and you direct our paths, Lord God. Your word teaches us to be not weary and well-doing, for in due season we will reap it, we faint not, Lord God. For that I want to ask, Lord God, to give him the strength, Lord God, to do what you have called for him to do. Let everyone come on this call, Lord God. Come with expectancy, Lord God, knowing that whatever they ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you're going to grant it in your appointed time, Lord God. Let them come praising and giving, giving praise and glory to your holy name, Lord God. Let them come seeking you, Lord God, first and foremost, Lord God, for their will and their way and guidance and directions and for covering for healing, for all provisions that they need within their lives. Father God, even as we go on our jobs, Lord God, we ask that you send your spirit to our workplace, Lord God, that you will bind the evil forces of Satan, Lord God. Anything that he tried to lay waste, Lord God, we ask you to cast it down right now, Lord God. For your word teaches us also, Lord God, that the weapons may form, but they will not prosper, Lord God, because we trust and we believe in you. Come and dwell on with us, Lord God. Come and just Dwell in our hearts, our minds, and on this call, Lord God. Dwell in our churches and our families, Lord God. Dwell in this land, Lord God. But these are trying times, Lord God. And right now, Lord God, we need to hear from you, God. We need to hear a word from you. Father God, even lift up those who are unsaved, Lord God, that they would hear a word, Lord God, that would change their minds, their thoughts, Lord God, that their mindset would be changed from the evil ways in which they have, have come to know, Lord God, and go into righteous way, Lord God, so they can walk in, Lord, on firm ground, on firm, on firm foundation, Lord God, and, and, and call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Father God, even though we are in trying times so we might be in need, Lord God, we know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or even I can imagine, Lord God. For just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did say, if our God does not deliver, it's not that he can't, because they knew that he will. It was their faith that made them whole, Lord God. Father God, even after ten lepers that went, Lord God, and you, that Jesus healed them, Lord God, only one fell down to worship and praised him, Lord God, and gave thanks to him. So, Father God, because his faith knew that Jesus was able and that he is God and God alone. There is a bomb in Gilead, a healing bomb that can heal this land, can heal this nation, can heal our minds, bodies, and souls. And, Father God, we just want to touch, Lord God, a touch from you right now in the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else want to pray? Anybody else want to pray? Randy Gushir Gumbrushi to go session 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 to go session
Porandia sia bossi ombossi omboko siaka Koriamboko siaka dia randiko yes 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 palga yeroko saka han rashiroko bokra shiroko saka han rashiroko seke Harandishiroko randia ha palga we praise your name yeroko saka we glorify you, Lord. Rashi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Let the Spirit of God come forth. Rashi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to Let the anointing of God come forth. Ho, Shaka, Ramboko, Seke, Karambo, Shirakom, Rashiaka, Haka, Randishi, Shirakom, Baka, Poroboshi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Sushi to go, Yes, Father God. Yet it'll go, sir. Run it'll go, say, should it go, say. Haran it'll go, say, should it 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 go, say. Run it'll go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say. Haran it'll go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say. Haran it'll go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say, should it go, say. Haran it'll go, say, should it go. Yes, 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 Lord. Yet it'll go, Bokaka. Yes, Father God. Hoshi go brandy to go say shaka. Thank you, Daddy God. Rush to go say shit go say shit go say shaka. Let the spirit of God begin to pour forth. Let the anointing of Christ begin to pour forth. Rush to go say shit 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 go say go say shit go say shit go say shit Harashirukosa, <laughs> Harashaka Harambokosa Harashaka Harandiasiaka Ha Nisikiaramboko Ho Yandiki Shirarokosaka Ha Thank you, Father God Haramboko Shirakandaka Yaka Sirikoseke Yaka Sirikoseke Yaka Sirikosa Harandiki Sehe Yada Yes, Holy Spirit, we praise your name. Yes, the Gosa, we glorify you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Harambo Krashira go say, should it go say, should it go say, should it go say, Harambo Krashira go say, hmm, yes, 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 hmm, thank you, Harambo Shira Kan Rasaka, thank you, Father God, Rashi to go say, should it go say, should it go say, Harambo, yes, 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 begin to move, Lord, begin to move, Father God, Rashi to go say, should it go saka. Begin to move, Daddy God. Rush you to go say, should it go say, should it go saka. Begin to move, Daddy God. Rush you to go say, yes, yes, yes. Mm, thank you, Father God. 
Ooh, Lord, thank you. Ha, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes. 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 Mm. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Yes, 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 Father God, let the power of God come forth. 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 Your Break the yoke of the enemy, Father. Break the yoke of the enemy, Father. Let your power begin to pour forth. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, 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 Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for the anointing, for the covering. Thank you for the word. Thank you, Father. Speak to us. Yes, Father God, we praise your name. We glorify you, Lord. Seek your presence, Father God. Seek your presence, Daddy God. We need you, Lord. Come speak to us. Come speak to us, Father. Come forth. Yaradosa de Copa. Remove the enemy from our presence. Let your word begin to permeate. Let your word begin to permeate. Father God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning, Brother Seb. How are you? 
I'm fine. You sound better today, praise God. Yeah, I sound better today, what? You sound better today, praise God. Yes, dear, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
I didn't tell you to mess with my demons.
which one, which one, which one. Amen. Um, watch over us. What's over there? Um, sorry. Watch over us and keep us where we go, Lord, so that no weapon of accidents, no weapon of anger, confusion, mm-hmm. doubt, or fear shall come against us to prosper. We speak that nothing that we eat and drink, breathe, or touch shall cause us mental and physical harm. A thousand shall fall on our side and ten thousand at our right hand. But none shall come near where we dwell. That means our body, the car, where we work, where we play, as we're on the train or the bus. Wherever we are, God is blessed and protected because of your presence in us and our presence in that area, oh God. And Father, we also come for the missionaries, the ministers, the evangelists, the um the the apostles, all of those who stand on your word and say that the spirit of truth is Christ. And Christ is the answer to everything. And we come from the unsaved, but as the atheist and the agnostic and those who say that there's many ways to you, oh God, we come for them that are yours, that their eyes may be open and their ears may be made um, able to hear your voice clearly outside of the the noise of the world, oh God, but to hear your still small voice as you call them out of the darkness, out of the wilderness. Let the examples that we set go forth before their eyes, even if it's just a good morning or a hello, opening the door, or just a bit of kindness that one of yours gives them, showing your glory in your way. And then we also come for those who are abused and addicted and bound up. Lord, you can give liberty. Your word gives liberty. Christ is the word in flesh, and he gives liberty. So all of this is because of you, O oh God. So let them find liberty in the truth. They have watered down your word, taking you out of the equation, O oh God. Oh, fudge crackers is good to do and so, Father, we just thank you that you gave your word for us to be able to rise again, for us to be able to have a deeper relationship with you again and come to the throne of your mercy and grace and talk to you face to face. And, Christ, we thank you for your, your, your sacrifice. We thank you for your example that we're able to go boldly before the Father because of you and what you showed us that we can and cannot do. And we also come for those who are being persecuted for the faith. We come for their strength. We come for their comfort, oh God. They're praying for us, and we are praying for them, that they may continue to stand and stand, therefore, in spite of the adversity, in spite of the killings and the murder that goes forth. We pray for the babies, the students, the teachers, the schools that are trying to show you, Father, even though they may not be able to say your name, but they show you and, and the teachers show who you are and let, the, and let them be able to love on the students, those who are 
I bow next to parents who are uncaring and unfaithful and ungrateful of the presence of having being blessed with a child. And Father, we ask that you would just you would just let the teacher continue to love on them and keep them in perfect peace so that they will not think to commit suicide, so that they may not think to do bad things they see based on the teacher's example that there are people who love them just for who they are. If I recover that you would continue to just strengthen the teachers, let them not be weary and well-doing to these babies, oh God. Help them continue to stand and stand there for, even when, even when they're bored or their or their boss tries to tell them to, to treat all the kids the same. Let them stand on the principle that they know that each child is an individual, oh God, and they treat them as such. And Lord, we also come for those who are seeking your wisdom your knowledge, and your understanding, who are looking into your world for themselves to study, to show themselves approved. Let them find you where you may be found. Let them seek you out where you are being, where you are trying to let them find you, oh God, because you said in your word, Seek me while I may be found, because when you decide to hide, Lord, it's going to be a done deal. It's going to be a wrap. And those who have found you, let them continue to hold on to you, because you said in your word, it woe unto them who knew me and turned their back on me, because it will be worse for them. So help us all who know you hold on to you, hold on to your word, hold on to the truth with both hands and have our faith bound in the seed of your word, O oh God, and let us be able to just hold on to that good ground that we have received in these last years, O oh God. And we just thank you, we praise you. By the right of Jesus Christ, we come. Amen. 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 One of the key things that struck out to me about, amongst others was, Lord, guide us and who to talk to today, you know, and who to talk to. Amen. Oh, Lord. Because oh, the Lord. negativity is real. Hello. Yes, Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can do this. I can do this. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, I can't. Ooh, that's cold. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sam, uh, Felicia, I've been sitting at my, uh, yesterday I was sitting at my desk and I was just pulling up um, YouTube videos because I can listen to them while I'm working. And uh, just pulling up YouTube videos on generational curses and uh, how to break the strongholds and, and stuff, you know. And I, I, shoot, I got happy one time sitting there. I had to get my composure sitting at the desk. <laughs> That's funny. You know, because, I mean, it was like, it led me into a really, really deep prayer for my children and uh, I, I actually typed it and sent it to them both in the text because we are fighting those generational curses. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
But we serve a mighty, powerful, and a strong God, Lord Jesus. I mean, what you just said is tying into our readings and stuff. You're at work surfing the Internet for for Bible scriptures and things, and, and because of the way things are structured now, you can see actual sermons, all type of teachings and stuff. We've been talking about yesterday about movies and TVs and media, how mm-hmm. God has used these things to get his word through. See, this wasn't, you know, before if somebody wanted help, they have to wait to a Sunday morning or 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 uh, or a revival service, but now because of the way things are structured in social media, yeah, it has a lot of negativity to it, has a lot of bad things. But you here you are at work getting some healing, some delivering some information, knowledge, wisdom, understand, which is to help yep. to set you free. That's right. And, and so That's this right. is exactly in what we're talking about with our lessons. You know, um, it, it, it's out there. It's out there, and. It's in abundance. You know what I'm saying? I even, let me tell you what I did about two or three months ago. I typed in, oh, God, please help me lose weight. And a whole blog of this woman came up talking about how God and Scripture helped her lose weight. So, I mean, what I'm saying is it's out there. It's it's out there. You know, I was sitting there, I was so just, I guess I was in a woe is me moment, and uh, I typed that up and it came up. So the knowledge is there. That's the Bible's that's there. That's why he said that in the end, there will be no excuse. Right. That's why he said there will be no excuse. None whatsoever. Oh, my gosh. Uh-oh. Okay. Look, I I don't know who'll be listening to us on the phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> true that. True that. That's okay. true. Um, yeah. And they're recorded, and they're on the on the. You know, people be how people find us. You know, when people be from the states, because we're on the internet. So, and this is definitely nothing that Sam Farley decided he want to do. This is some stuff that God led us to. So. Yeah. On his ultimate purpose for this, but again, this like that lady was losing weight, and there's so much stuff that's out there. Like Fisher said, we won't have no excuse. Yep. Nope. Sure won't. <clears throat> and when you want it, and you thirst for it, and you listen, mm. and you know, it's it's um, uh, I mean, it's. It comes to you. It'll come to you. I mean, it just will. You, you, you. If you want it and desire it, it'll come to you. You, it's, it's right. there. Right. Right. Ain't gonna stop you from trying to get it. No. Faith and patience. You inherit the promises of God. Like you said, if you got that desire, He will meet. Now, again, patience. He'll meet that desire, but patience, and then also emptying your vessel because a lot of times it might not. The form of fashion that you think it needs. Right. <coughs> That's exactly right. 
It's an interesting scenario. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. It most certainly is. I think Felicia transforming over there. She's she's coming out of her cocoon. I hear. I hear. I gotta say, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? You can't do it. You're not supposed to do it like you see everybody else do. So I have on, I layered a little bit, so I have on, like, two T-shirts and a hoodie. And I'm like, I don't want to put my coat back on just mm. to take it back off to put gas in the car. Oh, and I'm like, mm, that was real stupid because now my hands are cold. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, you know, hey. Yeah, I, oh my I, I had to go try to refine my stuff because, you know, when it got real warm, I don't know what my hats and gloves, when it dropped back down again, I was like, said, my head getting cold, my hands cold, so I'm trying to find my stuff. What did I do with this around here? Well, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so I've been, wearing, I've been wearing my frat hat because that was the closest thing I found. Okay, here, put it on my head. <laughs> yeah, buddy. This is so... Yes, sir. Oh, Lord. Oh, goodness. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, indeed. Okay. I'm in the parking deck, and I'm going to head on in the building. So you guys have a wonderful day. Good. Go ahead and change the atmosphere while you need it. What did you say, Felicia? Thank you. Uh, what did you say, Felicia? I said go in there and change the atmosphere to how you need it to be. Okay. Yes, yes ma'am. All right. Take authority over that, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. All right, I'll try. I'm gonna try to. Sit. It depends on what's going on in here. I might be able to slip back on for the reading. Okay, cool. I'll All right. All right. right. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Mm. All right. But uh, you're not nowhere near. So. <laughs> You said what? I said I would give you some tea, but you're nowhere near, so, well, I can't do that. Oh, that's so sweet. That uh-huh. is so sweet. I do have a good intentions of getting out early. I swear I do. Early clock sees me the earliest I can get out the house. I mean, it really get out. Just, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't. Because I've been up since uh, 5.30. Okay. I mean, I, but, you know, I'm a slow starter. Like, I'm still on the edge of the bed for, like, three hours. So, that mean, I still why I don't know why I can't get, it, get out the house. I just kind of sit there. Okay. I need to get my <laughs> Okay. Oh, my gosh. I am done. 
Uh, and it beneficial to get up early and get up and get out early? Is worthwhile? Um, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Like, you know, um, I'm not for sure because I. I would be having got out early to find out. <laughs> it was beneficial or not. Okay. But I I do know that um, I need to stay out at least <clears throat> um, six to seven hours. Mm. Yeah. And so I was like, I, yeah, and, and, and it's basically making the other way, just not even, you know, like the hook was always, you could make $20 an hour, that's a lie, that is a lie for the pits of hell, <laughs> I mean, you have to, I mean, to make that $20 an hour, you have to really hustle, mm-hmm. like really, really hustle. You know, and that's not something, and even if you do make, it's not on a daily. It's not on a daily. You know, because it's not like it's just over. You're competing against all these other um, ridership programs that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it so, is what it is. So if you develop a routine, like you said, down. Working your way north, so you wake up early and you work your way north side, and then you stay down there for a few hours and then work your way back to the south side. That'd be like a good routine for you. Yeah, and that's usually what I do. Um, what God has had me do is I, I, I this, this is where I'm moving and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. So He always directs me back to Halston. Mm-hmm. And so um, sometimes I make it all the way north, sometimes I don't. Because, like, right, there's a pocket on the southeast side that sometimes picks up. And I get a couple of riders there. And so by the time um, I ride around there, a couple of times to make sure I got them all, it's time for me to head back this way. Because I try to head back this way before rush hour. I, that would be wise. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because I don't drive downtown during rush hour. That's where you make your $20 an hour. And I'm like, I can't do the stress of driving downtown during rush hour. Because they get real stupid. And because I, I did that once, I was like, mm-mm, that's not my, that's not my. No. But now, because, like, driving downtown, because you all get paid per distance. But, like, during rush hour times, you don't get more money, do you? It's not so much as distance, but it's uh, the number of riders. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So once rush hour hits, you might only make $5, anywhere from 2 to $5 per rider. But you might get, like, 10 riders in that hour. Okay, because you're doing it. Distances, right? I got you. Exactly. You know, and I just, I, I didn't like it because what they do is, well, they ha- the way they have it set up is um, I could be, I could be, right, I could have one passenger 
and then they'll drop another passenger onto my board, and I have to pick up that other passenger with the other, you know, I, I'm, that juggling stresses me out. I'm like, okay, you know, and then they're like, oh, you, you, you can't, you know, you miss three riders, you miss extra money, and that counts against you if you don't pick up the, the rider that they drop on your board, it can count against you. And so I was, okay, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that's how I beat that system. I just don't be down the train right now. Yeah. So it is what it is. I it's good for, it's good for, you know, extra. Uh-huh. Extra. But not for a soul, you know, to show where you make money. So since you're planning on opening up a business, this is actually a good time for you to prepare, learn, and flexibility and learn, learn some money, huh? Right. Huh? Right. Uh-huh. That's pretty much it. And that's what I'm learning, like, flexibility, like. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yesterday. I did Uber yesterday. So now I need to make up for yesterday, today. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, it's that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, all right, so. And I'm learning what works for me. Because everybody's right. like, well, why don't you do two? Why don't you do Lyft and Uber? I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. I don't want to do both. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I prayed about it too. I did pray about it, mm-hmm. and it's like no. <laughs> I mean, and the thing, and this is this is another thing I might have mentioned. And to understand that this is all training for you, mm-hmm. that is is more than just you making some money or you feeling making ends to meet. He's also training you. The Holy, then what you said about listening to the Holy Spirit, well, I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to go around. That's the most important thing. As he alters your schedule, as he alters things, then it's 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 training and getting you ready for the next level. So that's the most important thing that you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the thing what you don't realize, cause I didn't realize, like, with the prayer line, picking up different skill sets and, and different things. Um, I, guess I, I think I might have told you in the prayer line, I had one day I went to speak with something. I remember my mom or dad's birthday, so I don't know. Anyway, I spoke like, okay, fine. Got up there, like, after the prayer line, you know, the way we do it now. At my friend's birthday, I went up to say something. It was just like a whole, all the stuff just flowed out of me. I was like... Wow. <laughs> you know, so it's that kind of thing when I'm talking about God developing your skills, which get BC, you know, yes, there's spiritual reasons, but he's also developing you natural. But see, that comes from Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why I call it HGI, Holy Ghost Institute, because he's literally training you far beyond what you're thinking at that point in time. True, true. That is so true. 
Because I, I, I kid you not, I'm like, um, one of my biggest things is having people behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now it's like, I got to, I said, okay, look, I'm trusting you to only have me pick up people who, you know, who who won't hurt me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, a couple of times I thought I might have to leave somebody, you know, but it was just like, he told me, no, be still, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, because well, the passenger had requested me to um, stop at the store. But the store is not in the best part of the city of Chicago Heights. If you've ever been to Ford Heights, it's like the like K-Town on the west side. Yeah. Something about right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting there and... It was like a lot of walking going on, and this guy comes out the store, and he just stood there, and he was staring at me, and I was like, okay, and the my rider was still in the store, and I'm like, if he don't come on, he's about to get left, because I don't know why dude's staring at me, but if anything jump off. I wasn't really upset, but the spirit was like, no, just sit there. And so I sat there. He finally came out or whatever, but it was just like, okay, you know, you know I just got to try to keep my ears open and not walk in, in flesh. It's hard because, you know, that fear, fear is, fear is that thing that, it attaches everything, you know. It attracts people. It attracts people to do violence. And it attracts you to run, you know. And it, it takes away the faith. And so I was just like, okay, he said, sit here, because I kid you not, I I took the car out of park. I had my foot on the brake. I was like, let him move, because he had his head. <laughs> he had his head. It is a hoodie. And he was just looking at me, and I'm like, mm-mm. And so I put the car in, in drive, and I was inching up. I'm like, he got to the count of three, and I'm out. And it feels like, no, just hold still. You're okay. I was like, all right. I was like, but look, they're looking real shady right now. Because another person comes out, and he's looking at the car as I'm sitting there. And I'm like, okay. You know, and it just, but he was just like, this, you're, you're fine. And I'm like, okay. I didn't come out of, I didn't come out of drive, though. I kept my foot on the brake, but I, I did. I sat, you know, and, and the customer finally came out. But, you know, it's, <sighs> I see, you know, like when Moses was, we, we were talking about Moses, you know, we and David, and we look at the story, and we're like, well, they did such great things, but look at the you have to look at the whole picture. Like the mentality was like their faith was in what God could do, not what they could do, because I'm you know it's like 
it's the childlike faith that David had. That's the difference between the two. David had a childlike faith. So that's just like any child will go out and say, I'm king of the world, and he'll jump off the roof of the house onto a mattress with no fear. But it's like the older you get and based on, you know, the situations and, and circumstances that you deal with in life, you know that that mattress is not enough to keep you from not getting broken bones. So you're looking from the roof of the house like, um, can y'all add a couple of mattresses? You know, and maybe some netting and some security around it, so just in case I bounce off. So we're we're looking at it from what we've been through, where a child is looking at it like, hey, is there, I can do it, you know, whatever. And so God is like, we have to get back to that. Okay, thank you. We've got to get back to that childlike faith. We've got to get back to that because it's, that, it's in the childlike faith that we'll move without pause. We'll move without fear. And we'll have the faith like David had to slaughter the giant. And Joshua would say, you know, we can be, we can go into the, the promised land instead of being like, you know, Saul and the other ones that came back talking about we're like grasshoppers. You know, that's what God that's what God wants us to be with the faith of a child. Understanding that he will see us so you know, understanding that he will guide us. And he wouldn't like put us out there for us to get killed. Now the sacrifice of the obedience, it might get you killed. He's not saying it won't, but it's in the obedience that he's like, I got you. No matter what the outcome is, I still got you. And will you, and will you, you know, obey what I tell you to do in spite of whatever the outcome may be? I'm going to shut up and call me. Get off my... But, you know, in that whole scenario, what you're talking about, that should make you appreciate... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego even more. Yes. Because they were like, look, hey, look, look. Because at that point, they were mature. They had been, remember, they'd been in prison, all four of them, and they ate the dice, and they were different. So they, they had grown and matured at this point. They weren't as a child. Because what you're saying is, see, see, when, like you said, when we're young, we'll just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got that enthusiasm. We ain't had the expectations of, oh, I did that once and I broke a bone. We ain't had or the experience I broke a bone. Or I jumped on that mattress and fell off and busted my head. Or I, I, I'm old now. I don't heal as quick as that. See, see, that's what happens when you get older. You've gone through some things and your experiences are like, you know what? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, our God is capable of delivering us out of the fire, but even if he don't, we're not afraid. Because, see, at that point, they were more seasoned. Right. 
but to still walk in that level of faith is, and, and, and that's where it's even more challenging. That's where it's even more difficult. And, 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 and that's why Lisa called me Grumple Steelskin because I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but but that's why, you know, you know that that enthusiasm. Like you said, it takes me a while to get up, but that that enthusiasm that. To do to be obedient, because you recognize that obedience is gonna cost you, mm-hmm. and it ain't easy. Nope, not at all. But the thing is, in his word, he never said it was gonna be easy. Come on now, how can you? If you don't find that no. Matter of fact, if you really look at it, it tells you the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> We we had just put that la 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 from Postilskin now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge. But no, yeah, but no, the word and we had and, and the thing is, you can't never find anybody. And that's I think that's what kind of irritates me too when I listen to the ministers because they don't let you know that it's hard. Well, you know what, and, and I and I got to go to this the, what the seven degrees or circles of faith. They don't want to let you know because most of the people don't want to hear it. True. I guess that's the hook, huh? Yeah. They have they have to have a hook, like they say, and you know, because I I noticed, I noticed that like, all right, so much. Okay, so my dad once said that you don't have to be, you don't have to know the business to be a manager. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at it like that, a lot of the ministers are treating the church as a business instead of as the ministry that it's supposed to be. Yes, there are some business aspects to a ministry, but it's, it's supposed to be more ministry than business. So they're more managing the people instead of ministering to the people. Mm. Mm. You know, and so that's, and I just, and he just gave that to me. Okay, well, that makes sense. Because if, when you look at it, look at, you know, it's always, they give them just enough to think about, and then they pull back and they talk about prosperity. I need some coffee, Lord. I mean, I said I was going to get coffee, but I need coffee today. Um, but they treat it as a business, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and then when you look at, even when you look at the politics of everything, one of the things I was, and I'm like, even on a Christian radio station, yo, y'all bashing the president. Okay. Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop. But, um, but the thing is, if you treat the, the nation the way you treat a business, it all makes sense. You don't have to be a president. It's just a manager of three million people. Mm. That's pretty much. 
So even though Trump might not know politics, he knows how to be a manager. Mm. He knows how he knows how to circumvent. He knows how. I mean, yes, he filed bankruptcy a couple of times, but the thing was, when he filed bankruptcy, he still came out stronger and better than somebody else who had to file bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. They had to totally close their doors, but he did it to restructure his money. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you know man. So when my dad said that, I was like. Man, whatever. But now I look at it from from another perspective. That's pretty much it. If your talent is management, and you can man, if you can manage ten, then you can manage ten million. So, but if you're supposed to be in the ministry, it's not about you're supposed to manage to a certain extent, and ministers kind of like. 50-50, but they've turned it into a 30-70-80-20 kind of thing where I can minister to you 20% of the time, but the other 80% of the time, I want to, I need to manage because I want to be on TV. We, we got media. We have this. We have that. My thing is, when you called to be on media. Mm. Everybody is not supposed to be on TV. Everybody's not supposed to be this big name, you know, oh, he has a big following and, you know, his ministry is awesome. Everybody's not supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. So are you supposed to be on TV? then you need to get off because, therefore, now you become a manager and you don't want to offend anybody. But he called your ministry to be the ministry of truth, but you're not walking in that truth because now you're walking in management authority where you have to compromise instead of ministry authority. We're supposed to be bold and speaking the truth at all times. Mm. Mm. But I digress. I said I was going on mute, and you took me there, and uh, yeah, I'm going on mute.
And the higher you get, the more subtle it is. Exactly. Exactly. Now you don't know what I mean. Anyway, you'll figure out the hot
and they were all until the one day when the lady met the fellow, and they knew there was much more than a hunch that this group was some of our family. That's the way they all became the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch. That's the way we became the Brady Bunch. Be nice and let y'all listen to the song. How about that? I'm so sweet. Yeah, I know I have my moments. Yeah. Now, Thank you. 
the Mo family. Who should go say? 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 Who should go say? 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 Who should go say? 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 Should Roshio,ランドゴセシルゴセシルランドゴサラカダ。ランドゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴサ。ロシオ、ランドゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴセシルゴサ。
Fuck the Catholic churches. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I was ignorant. I was ignorant. As long as you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got I got issues and I acknowledge it. Oh my jeez. Okay. <laughs> well, did I get everything on the list, dear? I believe so, sir. Yes. All righty. So it's time for me to send out my magnanimous text. And uh, there's two words I gotta look up: magnanimous, 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 whatever that one I just said. Uh-huh. And then uh, what did she tell me the other day? Um, Utilitarian, okay. I know I heard it and I read it. I got to, before I said, mm-hmm, because, see, she be trying to call me names and stuff and, and, and using big words. Oh. I ain't saying no names. I ain't saying no names about nobody nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> trying to act like they all educated and stuff. So what, they went to college for a couple of days. I went, too. I just got my party on. Hey! Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. That's the best thing to do. When you see foolishness, is to ignore it and learn from it. Those are the <laughs> Don't participate. No. Sometimes you just want to just get in there and cut a fool. Ain't nobody going to be looking. I, I, <laughs> I learned to just smile and nod, smile and nod. I do too. I'll be smiling and nodding while I'll be participating. Hi. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, okay, we'll go back to the prayer line. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. I know my limits. <sighs> I know my limits. And here comes Stinky. One stair at a time. Slowly I step. Step by step. Inch by inch. I got to say it about five times before he finally get down the stairs. <laughs> Plum D. Plum D. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm going to put the music on. I'm about to send the text out, and then we come back for the reading, dear. All right. You don't get smoking. Will you cut this for me? Will you? Will you? Are you my friend? I need this for me. Please. Oh, that's at your wedding. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to. Uh. Mm. Hey. Hey. Don't do that. 
Good morning, Mr. Davis. How are you? Felicia said good morning, Mr. Davis. Good morning. You remember Felicia? No. You remember the long, Miss Long? No. You don't remember Felicia Long? Uh, what was your mom, Della Long? Uh-huh. You remember Della Long from New Hope? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that was years ago. Years. Yeah. Years. Fix me. Now you want me to fix your sandwich. First you want me to cut you some grapefruit. Now you want me to fix your sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a cup of coffee. And your list keep getting longer. Ah, <laughs> oh, here. here you go. Here you go. Now you want something else. Can you eat it out all over the floor? Can you tell me something without telling me a lie? Yeah. Yeah. But are you going to do it? No. I don't tell a lie. I tell alternate facts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Good morning. Hell, if our president can put the skin out there. <laughs> Wait a minute. Therefore, that be an alternate fact or is that an altered fact? Well, you know what? What <laughs> the one he want to run with, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, look, that's y'all. That's all I got. Y'all, y'all. president. Oh, hey, wait a minute. But well, we got to be. We got to be honest, though. He was very transparent. He said for what he thought, and he also wound up backtracking on a lot of things that he said. So what's new? Right. And not only did that, and, and, and he got voted in. So ain't only is he crazy. I look at how he got voted in. So I'm gonna just leave. Mm-hmm. That just said a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, so if you look at it, you see all these people marching and stuff against them in big clusters. And you got this many people marching against them. Yeah, that is a good question. How did you actually get voted in? Because they marching in the march, not marching when they need to be voting. Exactly. Yeah, you did. And you did a stutter. Mm-hmm. Well, you got that, Well, mm-hmm. Uh, but like they said, you can't be sitting on the fence, though. You got to be on one or the other. Well, they tried. Let's see where it got them. Right. I ain't going to say them because we're in the middle of this mess, too. Yeah, that's true. But the sad part of it is a lot of them, they want to go by just because somebody that looks like them, that's who they're pulling for. But that's what the form the evil presence took on, too. Mm, yeah, well. Like, okay, I could go in here. I can look like this, that, and the other. I can tell them this, that, and the other. Oh, they went for a hook, line, and sinker. Not realizing if you're not up to that dollar amount, you, you, you're you going to be treated and considered a minority, too. Well, as he always says, he loves the poorly educated. Exactly. He said that very bold, loud, and clear. Because they make my money. <laughs> That's right. Now, 
I seen some post stuff where they're saying, okay, you want to build this wall, but there's people still over in Michigan that don't have clean water. Mm. <laughs> you have quite a few projects where that money is better needed. But you say you for the people. Mm-hmm. You say you for the well-being of the people. But you got these people over here hurting and everything, but you're too busy worrying about the other ones that's trying to come over. That once you get over here, you're going to imprison them to go ahead and do work for you at a wage that you know is not right. But he's going to build a wall and keep them coming over except the ones that he already got. He gonna, he exactly. Gonna, he'll leave Chapo's tunnel to get over here anyway. <laughs> right. They put it like this. I wouldn't be surprised if one of our Chapo's uh, guardsmen didn't turn didn't turn a blind eye to him for, for, for about an hour and a half. <laughs> you say, you know, hey, you let me go over here and do this, I'll make your people happy, and, and you'll get a bonus out of it, too. Okay. Because uh, uh, uh. he already told him, it was already said that um, Chapo said he was after him anyway. Right, 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 right. And Chapo got deep pockets, got very deep pockets, too. Oh, and I think he had put his thing out for for um, Trump. I think it was like a couple of million dollars. Really? Yeah, for him to for somebody to go kill him. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, so you got somebody that's poorly educated, but can count. Uh, he ain't poorly educated. <laughs> Maybe what <laughs> we talking about? No, I'm talking about person. the person who takes who takes who takes that who takes that offer. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Right, right, right. Oh, that's the man. Potato man. Have you ever seen the uh, movie, Oh, Brother, Where I Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you remember when they had broke out and the boy said that he can go over to his cousin's house and he'll hide him out? Uh, maybe. Okay, we well, hid him out and then uh, his cousin had called the authorities to come pick him up because of the pressure was going on there. Oh, okay, okay. And then they woke him up while they was um, in the barn house. <laughs> and the guy said, man, your so-and-so brother, your so-and-so cousin had turned us in, blah, 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 blah. And so he said, why'd you turn us in? He said, you know, the depression times was hard. This was easy money. <laughs> okay. He said, don't take it personal, but, you know, we hurting and uh if this was a chance for us to get some money, you know, something had to be sacrificed in the shoe. Now, part of the educator may not know much, but if it's something that's going to get them a little bit more money to help them to, to survive, their survival instincts going to kick in. Yep, yep, yep. And hearing a million dollars or a couple of million dollars, that'll perk up her, a person's hair real good. Quick, fast, and hurry. Uh-huh. Oh. Right. Well, let me go send this text out. Okay. Oh, 
Happy, happy, joy, joy. Stingray Music, free on your mobile.
I want you to do something right quick and I'm going to leave it alone. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say in my life, I've been a lover and I've been down. But say in spite of my circumstances, in spite of my situation, look at him real good and say in spite of what I'm going through right now. Say when I look back over my life and to see how far God brought me back, I can't do nothing but thank the Lord. Somebody ought to get up.
challenge in life and you felt like you couldn't get on the other side of it, I got good news for you tonight. Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do how many things? All things through Christ who strengthens me. And now get ready because we did put a little D'Angelo flavor on it. Drink 
All righty, all righty, all righty. Let's get this party started right. Let's get this party started quickly. Rombo shere de ko rande, shere de kombo sa, rande de ko se, shere de ko rombo ko sara de kambaka. Hmm, haranyare de ko san, rambo ko san, rashi de ko san, rate de de kombraka. Brandi de ko se, shere 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 de ko se, rande kataka. Brandi de gosa kande, shede de kombo, sede kandrande de gose, shede gose, shede gose, shede gose. Brandi de gose, shede gosandrasa, shandrose, sakara. Alrighty, are you ready to throw down? Yes, I is. <laughs> Okay, sports that prophesy. This should be interesting. As Indianapolis coach, as Indianapolis coach, as Indianapolis head coach, Tony Dungy raised the Super Bowl trophy in 2007. He acknowledged that though he was glad to be the first African American coach to win a Super Bowl, he was more satisfied with something else that he and Bears coach Lovey Smith were both Christians, were glad to be able to model that the Lord's ways work even in football. Much had been said and written about how different the coaching philosophy of these men was from previous models for coaching success. A good coach was someone who would coach, cuss his players out, yell at them, get in their face, and through intense schemes, motivate his men to perform their best. Tony started the practice season by telling the play, players, even in a normal voice, Men, pay attention, because this is as loud as I'm going to get all you. Oh, come on, I like this. Mm, I like this. Y'all see, mm, that got me right there. Mm. Yes, 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 Paul. I, I got to read that over again. Much had been said and written about how different the coaching philosophy of these men was from previous models of coaching success. A good coach was, some, was someone who could cuss his players out yell at them, get in their face, and through intense schemes, motivate his men to perform their best. Tony started the practice season by telling his players in an even normal voice, men, pay attention, because this is loud as I am going to get all year. Not only did these men model fruit of the spirit coaching, but Tony had to go through the very public suicide of his son the previous year. The testimony of his life, combined with his coaching style, made him a greater ambassador for the kingdom of God than a host of TV preachers could. He displayed godliness, and God gave him a platform to prophesy. Better yet, Tony didn't miss his opportunity to testify that even there's a godly way to coach pro football. All believers with sports platforms have a ministry. Most haven't recognized it, and most of those who have recognized it only see the opportunity as a platform for the gospel salvation. If athletes are only able to say, I too have made a decision for Jesus, they miss the point. A champion boxer once was a very vocal about being a Christian, even while he was having multiple affairs and marriages. No one on these mountains does any good by only talking to salvation. What we need is those who will model the Lord's way, 
who understand what we must demonstrate a reality that far exceeds talk. I don't believe that this boxer failed just because he had moral issues. He failed because he didn't really know his godly assignment. Our assignment is to demonstrate God's kingdom as a different way of doing things. Jezebel must be displaced from this mountain of celebration. That boxer's life, that boxer's life revealed that he was trying to love God while yielding to Jezebel. It just won't work. This man's presence on the mountain was counterproductive to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith serve as prophetic evidence of the principles of this book, that God is releasing a tsunami that is intended to lift God's people to the tops of the mountains. They are part of the latter day of Isaiah 2 and 2, when the Lord's house will be exalted above all other mountains. They are spiritual pioneers with a breaker anointing to release an entirely new model of coaching to the world. Christian men of character who are also good coaches, will now be in a higher demand than ranting, cussing coaches of the past. If you are a Christian of influence who's involved in sports, know that you are raised up and blessed by God to be prophetic voice in and to your generation. You are not called to say, I keep my religion private. That will make you a salt shaker with no salt, a Christian with no kingdom value. It is incumbent on you that you've begun that you've been placed on that mountain of celebration with an advancing kingdom purpose. If you don't see that and you've almost no hope of sustaining resistance against Jezebel, you must be taken over by the fire of the spirit of Elijah, or Jezebel will take you out. This is your ministry, your platform, your pulpit, not your secular life. If you believe that fashion is of the devil, well you might be right. If you are, however, if you are, however, only because we have given it to the devil. Fashion is another prophetic tool, and if we don't engage this part of the mountain, the world will continue to prophesy with fashion. That this industry has been under Jezebel's jurisdiction is obvious by the sexualized styles that are prevalent. Some fashion designs are very obviously carry Jezebel on them, while others may manifest a less amount. A high proportion of fashion designers and trendsetters are homosexual. If the clothing style draws sexual attention at its first calling card, we can be sure that we are seeing Jezebel at work. Jezebel is at the top of this mountain to release two things, lust and death. That's her influence. Whether it's in movies, music, or fashion, if she can combine all three, she's even more effective. For example, in the 90s, a music style and a company fashion came out of Seattle, Washington. Kurt Cobain became the primary prophet for what came to be known as grunge culture as a release worldwide and still carries repercussions today. Cobain was a musician who helped reshape popular music and the musical release of corresponding fashion. Cobain was a young man profoundly affected by the divorce of his parents. He had lifetime battles with depression, chronic bronchitis, and severe stomach pain that no one's able to properly diagnose. His music captured a raw passion to cry, pain, and despair that resonated with the generation. He died in 1994 from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. The grunge culture scream, I hate myself. Both the music and the fashion carry hopelessness and a spirit of suicide. Wow. Mm. Its appeal was in reaching down and touching a very real pain, but it only left people raw. It was authentic, but, it only, is but only in its diagnosis of hurts. There was no remedy for the despair, only identification with it. This pain was the ache of a fatherless generation, a family breakdown, and of fathers failing to be fathers, of Generation X being abandoned by parents in full throttle pursuit of the American dream. 
The golf subculture is also an example of music combined with style. This fashion style promotes depth and gloom and is very widespread. Dark attire and makeup that come from the influence of Jezebel are its most visible marks. It prophesies death, depression, hopelessness, and suicide. Some well-meaning believers have embraced the look in order to reach the culture, but that's an ill-conceived strategy. It's an alliance with the Hivites that will bear very little long-term fruit. Some kids don't mean any harm by dressing golf, but they don't realize how they are yielding themselves to prophesy a message of death with their fashion. Fashion has often given us the heroin, the heroin chic look that functions to profit our Jezebel's message of addiction. One constant throughout recent fashion history, Jezebel's ability to flaunt the model's seductive style. Okay, let me reread that sentence. One constant throughout recent fashion history is Jezebel's ability to flaunt a model's seductive style. Believers should not wear these styles because they're prophetic messages. The point is not for us to wear conservative clothing, but to come up with radical styles that release the kingdom of God on earth. To this point, WWJD braces are the closest thing we've seen of a Christian fashion trend. Even multitudes of non-believers thought it was cool to wear those braces. But we're going further than that. Some Elijah revolutionaries are going to get a hold of this idea and begin to prophesy with a fashion style that captivates the world. If you're a believer who loves fashion, ask God if he's put you here to be a unique kind of prophet for the advancement of the kingdom. You need to recognize the world influences from Jezebel and avoid mixing them in with what God inspires you to create. In his created heart, he knows what fashions can capture the hearts of a generation. He just needs someone to see it and then reproduce it. It only takes a spark to start a fire. Know who you are, know what mountain you are called to, know who your enemy is, know your mission, and then be released. The mountain of celebration affects and even creates pop culture. Those who platform reaches millions are at the top of this mountain. I haven't covered other sources of entertainment, but they seem to be much lower down the mountain. Our specific call is to take the top of the mountain and displace powers and principalities at this level. This affects the second heaven thought life of the cities, regions, and nations. If you're already positioned in a place of some influence that's low on the mountain, then go ahead and secure that area for the kingdom of God. You are an ambassador. You are in ministry, as we all are. And, if you, and, and as you are lit up with the fire of the spirit of Elijah, you can begin to release heaven all around you. Geographically, Hollywood is clearly at the top of the mountain. New York, Seattle, Las Vegas, San Francisco, and New Orleans also have altars close to the top of the mountain. If these geographical locations are not secured in the spirit by the sons and daughters of the king, they will receive very severe judgments. For New Orleans, the center of Mardi Gras voodoo, Hurricane Katrina was an example. San Francisco has a sentence of judgment hanging over it, tied into being the homosexual hub of the nation, maybe the world. Righteous judgments will assist us in retaking these geographical areas. The judgment will be a platform from which to call out for the repentance. Many people have a problem with the idea of God releasing a law catastrophic judgments on cities, but he does. These are an extension of his great grace. If he sees a city heading to hell, he will intervene and overturn the boat, even if lives are lost. Why? Because some could turn back and be spared if they proceed to get back on a boat. He'll knock them over again and attempt to save them before a final harsh judgment. When severe judgment saves someone from an even worse judgment, it's an act of grace. Some cities are known for forms of entertainment that shouldn't even be saved. Las Vegas gambling, for example, has no redemptive value. 
There's not a Christian gambling alternative, just as there are no Christian prostitution alternatives or Christian strip clubs. <laughs> That's funny. Christian strip clubs. All righty then. Some entertainment is only fit for elimination. The Lord has his sons and daughters working in all the cities mentioned above to bring us a redemption to those in those places. Wherever Satan comes in like a flood, there the Lord will raise a standard. He will work on behalf of his active ambassadors in all places of darkness. Each city has the potential to turn around and become the spearhead of a special move of God. History itself tells us that. The Zusa Street Revival proceeded from Los Angeles beginning in April 1906. On September 23, 1857, Jeremy Lanifer rented a hall on Fulton Street, New York City, and began a prayer movement that led to what some call the Third Great Awakening. Only six people came the first day for the lunch prayer time, and there was a slow gradual increase until the stock market crashed a few days later. Within six months, the prayer movement had spread around the nation, and more than 10,000 were meeting every noon in New York City alone. It eventually jumped to other nations, too. God shaking the cities and nation works hand-in-hand with his people doing their part to bring about a kingdom revolution. Four days after Azusa Street revival began, San Francisco experienced the infamous Great San Francisco Earthquake in 1906 that devastated the city. In New York, it was three weeks after Jeremy Lanifer began his prayer meetings that the stock market crashed. God shaking assistance initiatives that are being activated by children. At some point, however, a city can be given over to a city can be so given over to sin that the Lord will instruct his children to leave the city. Boy, sends catastrophic judgment there. I might as well just go ahead and finish. There are cities to be strategically targeted. There are institutions to be targeted. There are individuals to be targeted. There are altars to be overthrown, and many things are displaced. But we must always remember to come in with a replacement for what was formerly there. Satan returns seven times stronger if we only knock him off the mountain without replacing him. The Hollywood ratings board is a very important target, as are Disney and Motown. The critics who write reviews and committees that give awards like the Oscars and Grammys are also extremely important. Their seal of approval can jumpstart movies and musicians who have no business being jumpstarted. The most important directive of strategy, however, is hearing from the Lord. It's possible to waste a lot of time going after something that seems strategic when, if we just allow the Lord to promote us, mountains will crumble around us. The taking of this mountain is a spiritual war, and we must never lose sight of that reality. Ultimately, what will cause the collapse of every mountain of the enemy is the Lord's house being exalted in a specific area. His celebration will begin to release disfavor and decimation on the enemy's celebrations. If you're a worship leader, you may be. If you're a worship leader, you may be asking if your mountain is a religion mountain or the celebration mountain. The answer is: Can it be both? It is very possible to move across several of these mountains at the same time, particularly if one receives great favor. Worship itself shows up on both of these mountains. That was the case for the Old Testament Israel. Daily regular worship took place on the mountain of religion. But then there was also the celebration of the feast several times a year, Passover, Pentecost, as well as special occasion dedicatory celebrations, Solomon's Temple. These celebrations were not times of fundamental discipleship regularly occurring in religious life. They were exciting special occasions, good times that people look forward to. Yet worship was a very instrumental in both. In modern-day church context, Mountain religious celebration will be leading worship in regular church service, and on mountain celebration worship, that will be more like what we do at large conference gatherings. We have much growing to do with regard to the latter. In the future, we have celebration conferences where every form of godly creativity will be on display. 
These events, essentially Christian Arts Festival, will showcase all the awesome creativity of God through his people. They will not carry the secondary creativity we've often been known for in the past. They will showcase the best art, the best music, the best food, the best dramas, the best poetry, and the best new fashions, not just in terms of talent, but also in the but, but also in the bend with Jesus factor. The goal of Christian artists will not be to, will not be to finally get the world to notice and offer big money to hijack them from their mission. They will see themselves as kingdom revolutionaries on specific assignment from the king. They will have no compromise in them, and they only accept exposure that allows them to keep their God assignment intact. These festivals become massively popular, even for the world, and will serve as a major platform for evangelism as an attention to draw superior, superior creativity that comes from the house of the Lord. They'll bring great wealth into the house of the Lord, but that can never be the motivating factor. These festivals will be for the purpose of celebrating God and his good gifts. Accompanying guidelines will resist, restrict the over-commercialization of the event to ensure the Christian arts festivals are not done with the tutelage of mammon. We must ensure that they are done under the banner of God as creator. Our press strategy involves the discovery and removal of altars of darkness on this mountain. It involves binding the forces that are saturated with Jezebel and loosening the prophetic sources and resources of God. Jezebel brings seduction and death in the Hivites, representative of perversion and counterfeiting other enemies. To ascend this mountain in prayer, you must have clean hands in these areas. It cannot be emphasized enough that all strategies must begin in heaven. Jesus did only what he saw the Father doing. Our brains can come up with logical strategies, but we must have the mind of Christ to access the wisdom from above. The information we gather and the spiritual mapping we do can assist us in diagnosing arenas and centers of darkness. But the effective strategies of prayer will come to a prophetic people who understand and value hearing a live rhema word of the Lord. Action must go with our prayer. God will raise up kingdom production of movies, dramas, music, and fashion. Our greatest effectiveness against the darkness prevalent on the mountain of celebration will be turning on the light. The spirit of Elijah now coming upon God's sons and daughters will result in anointed products that will displace the darkness from the top of these mountains. The Lord will be opening doors for divine connection between fellow Elijah revolutionaries. Some will have the finances, some will have the artistic talent, some will be the anointed for management, some will be a production anointing. All will be singularly focused on God's glory expanding across earth. The Celebration Mountain is all about God's becoming more famous. The Celebration Mountain is all about God becoming more famous. Current status quo Christians can't do much on this mountain because they repetitively fall to Jezebel and the Hivites as they attempt to climb. It will require Elijah revolutionaries to go after this mountain. Prophetic, radical, uncompromising holy children of the king whose primary interest is in God receiving more of the glory due to his name. All righty. Okie dokie, Smokey. You're a Kostrandra Kasa Murasaka. Okay. As Indianapolis head coach Tony Dungy raised the Super Bowl trophy in 2007, he acknowledged that though he was glad to be the first African American coach to win the Super Bowl, he was more satisfied with something else that he and the Bears coach Lovey Smith were both Christians who were glad to be able to model the Lord's ways work even in football. Much had been said and written about how different the coaching philosophy of these men was from previous models of coaching success. A good coach was someone who would cuss his players out, yell at them, get in their face, and through intense schemes, motivate his men to perform their best. Tony started the practice season by telling his players in an even normal voice 
Men, pay attention, because this is loud as I'm going to get all year. Not only did these men model fruit of the spirit coaching, but Tony had to go through the very public suicide of his son the previous year. The testimony of his life, combined with his coaching style, made him a much greater ambassador for the kingdom of God than a host of TV preachers could. He displayed godliness, and God gave him a platform to prophesy. Better yet, Tony didn't miss his opportunity to testify that even there's a godly way to coach pro football. I mean, I, I remember that because that year that was the Bears and the, and the Colts and the Super Bowl, and I remember his son the year before. And it's funny because, you know, I hear Tony on the talk shows, and he has an even kill voice. And I, I never really heard this about him coaching, but I can believe it just by the way that I see him walk. And, and I do know from what I know of Lovey, he was also one that never really very vocal or loud. You know, so it's, it's interesting again about how they about how they you know modeled their character, how they motivated their team, and how they were an example of God's you know God ambassadors for the kingdom of God. All believers with sports platforms have a ministry. Most haven't recognized it, and most of those who have recognized it only see the opportunity as a platform of gospel salvation. If athletes are only able to say, "I too have made a decision for Jesus." They missed the point. A champion boxer was once a very vocal about being a Christian, even while he was having multiple affairs and marriages. No one on these mountains does any good by only talking to salvation. What we need is those who will model the Lord's way, who understand what we must demonstrate, a reality that as far as the seeds talk. I don't believe that this boxer failed just because he had moral issues. He failed because he didn't, re- he didn't really know his godly assignment. And that's what all of us. Knowing our assignment, hearing from God, being patient, you know, that's with all of us. Our assignment is to demonstrate God's kingdom as a different way of doing things. Jezebel must be displaced from this mountain of celebration. That boxer's life must that boxer's life revealed that he was trying to love God while yielding to Jezebel, and that mystery just won't work. This man's presence on the mound was counterproductive to the advancement of the kingdom of God. So now somebody like that, people, Satan would use that as a, mm, you call yourself a Christian, mm-hmm, what you doing? And people would get caught up in that. But again, I, I like the way that he's approaches in the book. Man got problems just like we do. Can we throw the first stone? But we do it all the time. You know, and he said he had more issues. We all got issues. He just happened to be on a platform that that a lot of people saw him. So, you know, rather than being judgmental, you know, but that's what people do. We do. We become judgmental and, and criticize. And, you know, he, ain't, he shouldn't be saying such and such. Really? Look at your own life. Are you perfect? Can you cast the first stone? Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith serve as prophetic evidence of the principle of this book that God's releasing a tsunami that intended to lift God's people to the top of these mountains. They are part of the latter day of Isaiah 2 and 2 when the Lord's house will be exalted above all other mountains. They are spiritual pioneers with a breaker anointing to release an entirely new model of coaching to the world. Christian men of character who are also good coaches will now be in a higher demand than ranting, cussing coaches of the past. If you're a Christian influence who's involved in sports, know that you're raised up and blessed by God to be a prophetic voice in and to your generation. You're not called to say, I keep my religion private. 
That will make you a salt, a salt shaker with no salt, a Christian with no kingdom value. It is incumbent on you to see that you've been placed on the mountain of celebration with an advancing kingdom purpose. If you don't see that, you have almost no hope of sustaining resistance against Jezebel. You must be taken over by the fire of the spirit of Elijah, or Jezebel will take you out. This is your ministry, your platform, your pulpit, and not your secular life. So in other words, I'm not supposed to have my religion, my, my relationship in a corner. No, it's supposed to be, again, that's part of who I am. That's part of who I am. In my mistakes, that's part of who I am. In my victories, that's part of who I am. And, and that's, what we're, that's how we're supposed to walk. If you believe the fashions of the devil, well, you might be right. If you are, however, if you are, however it's only because we have given it to the devil. Fashion is another prophetic tool, and if we don't engage this part of the mountain, the world will continue to prophesy our fashion. That this industry has been under Jezebel's jurisdiction is obvious by the sexualized styles that are prevalent. Some fashion degrees are very obviously carry on Jezebel on them, while others may manifest a less amount. A higher proportion of fashion designers and trendsetters are homosexual. If a clothing style draws sexual attention at its first calling card, we can be sure that we are seeing Jezebel at work. And if you think about it, go back to the Old Testament about how God designed the temple, about how God designed the, the robes and the epods and all these things. They were very carefully crafted and diamonds and jewels and ornaments. They were very to draw your attention. So that was fashion. There was fashion behind it. So, again, like you said, Jezebel has perverted what God intended to be glorious. Jezebel has perverted it. Jezebel is at the top of the mountain to release two things, lust and death. That's her influence, whether movies, music, or fashion. If she can combine all three, she's even more effective. For example, in the 90s, a musical style and a company fashion came out of Seattle, Washington. Kurt Cobain became the primary prophet of what can be known as a grunge culture as it was released worldwide and still carries repercussions today. Cobain was a musician who helped reshape popular music, and the music release carried a corresponding faction. Cobain was a young man profoundly affected by the divorce of his parents. He had lifetime battles with depression, chronic bronchitis, and severe stomach pain that no one was able to properly diagnose. His music captured a raw passion to cry pain and a despair that resonated with the generation. He died in 1994 from a self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. That, you know what, that just speaks volumes, especially when he said the part that he was stomach pain, chronic bronchitis, and depression no one could properly diagnose. Those were the spirits just eating at him to the fact that it was affecting his body. And the very things that he was, you know, he the very pain that that, that cultivated that um promoted him to the top as far as his, his skill set was a pair of very pain that was eating him alive. And a lot of people identified with it. But again, it just identified the pain, but it had no resolution. The grunge culture screamed, I hate myself. Both the music and the fashion carried by hopelessness and the spirit of suicide. Mm. Hopelessness and the spirit of suicide. 
It's a pill that's been reaching down and touching a very real pain, but it only left people raw. It was authentic, but only in its diagnosis of a hurt. There was no remedy for the despair, only identification with that wild right there. There was no remedy for the despair, only identification with it. Man, 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 oh, man, I know. Man, I feel that, man. But what can you do about it? See, that's the difference between Satan and God. Uh-huh. Satan will take you there and will touch you because you, because of that. we all got something somewhere, somehow. But Satan is basically there. Now, what he does, once you identify, he takes you even darker. God identifies it. Then he shall now let me show you the remedy to come up out of it. Yep. And that's the difference. I hate myself. Both the music and the fashion carry hopelessness and fear to suicide. The pillars are reaching down and touching a very real pain, but it only left people raw. It's authentic, but only as a diagnosis of hurts. There was no remedy for the despair, identification with it. The pain was the ache of a fatherless generation, a family breakdown, and a father's failing to be fathers. Generation X. And by parents in full throttle pursuit of the American dream. Wow. Wow. Do I'm doing this for you. Doing this for you. But then you're back. And I, I could say I, I had to watch myself at times, and you know, more. I didn't. I, the adjustment I had to make from Aunt Morgan's mom first left because I'm used to working. And I didn't realize that she was crying out for me that I just didn't know, honestly. But even that's that's why I stay home now. I'm taking care of the family. I'm doing making sure everything is okay before I leave. Then I go out there and bust my butt. That's why I come in the house nine, ten, eleven o'clock at night. But again, so it's it's very real, and that's what we do. I'm working all these hours so I can provide for the family. But then, if you're not there for the family, what are you doing? Yep. Yes. 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 You know, so I mean, it's very real, and it's very, and it's very easy to get sucked into. It's, it's very easy to get. I mean, I'm not trying to say not another develop a lifestyle <laughs> which you have gotten accustomed to that you don't really need, but you you've gotten accustomed to it, so now you do need it. So now you got extra hours to sustain this lifestyle. That's a whole nother difference from working. I'm look. I'm working two or three jobs because I'm trying to just make ends meet. I'm trying to put food on the table. I'm trying to make sure that you. That's that's different. That's different. That's different. The golf subculture is also an example of music combined with style. Fashion style promotes death and gloom and is very widespread. Dark attire and makeup that come from the influence of Jezebel are its most visible mark. Prophesies death, <coughs> hopelessness, and suicide. Some well-meaning believers have embraced the look in order to reach the culture these strategies. An alliance with the Hivites will bear very little long-term fruit. Some kids don't mean any harm by dressing golf. They don't realize how they're yielding themselves to prophesy a message of death with their passion. 
and, and that's what we'll do. Well, I, I, I'm going to dress like them to reach them. You know, yeah, okay. I'm going to say it like this. Is the Holy Spirit telling you to do that? Now, problem. A lot of people don't know the Holy Spirit's voice. That's problem number one. Right. Um, would I say the Holy Spirit would tell you to do that? I'm not going to say he wouldn't, but I would say this. If he tells you to do that, then you would be at a point in your walk where you're strong enough that you would be able to influence them, not the other way around. And nine times out of ten when that happens, Normally, it would be someone who has come out of that culture that is able to identify with them, understand them, and then relate to them. So in in actuality, they wouldn't necessarily even have to go back and dress golf because, see, they can identify with golf because of the spirit. Right. And they would accept them because of the spirit. I'm going to say this. So God will take ex-offenders to reach those in jail. God will take ex-alcoholics and abusers to reach those who are on drugs. God will take ex-homosexuals. Why? Because they could, they know their pain. They know where they came. They can relate. That doesn't mean that they're, that they're off lifestyle, but they've been there. They might still struggle well in their walk. But look, I can look, man, I know. I, I'm not trying to tell you from what I read in the book. I'm trying to tell you, look, I know. I know what you're doing because I done done it. That's why, like, if you go to the different meetings, the leaders and stuff in the meetings are those who walk their way to this level and say, hey, look, I know going through because I've been there. Call me if you truly want help. Now, if you want to just come here and act like you want help, I know when you – I know when you BSing too. Mm-hmm. And look, and I don't have to call you out on it because it's easy to see. Okay, I'm going to just keep reading. But you don't want to say Um, Oh, are you serious right now? <laughs> Talk about what you read. Um, two things. Um, when... If anyone were to say, I'm going to change to look like the world to bring them to God, it totally contradicts what the word of God says. Mm. Because he says, do not conform to the mm. world. Come on, come on, girl. So he would, ne- so he would always, he would never contradict mm. what he already put out there. Mm. But like you said, but there's that's the reason for the ones who have gone through it. Right. So right. those are the ones that if you've never gone through it, then that's not your ministry. Come on, come on. those stop, who stop. have gone through it who are supposed to go and minister to mm. those who a drug addict needs to be ministered to by a drug addict. Yeah, man. You know, a homosexual should be ministered to by a, a delivered homosexual. I mean, I can I can empathize with you, but that's as far as I can go. 
because I don't know what the struggle is. Oh yeah, I struggle with 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 sexuality, yes. But homosexuality, that's a whole other thing. Mm. So someone who's been through it mm-hmm. is the only one that can minister to it. Is the only one. And we have to in in oh wow. So it's like it's not it's okay to say something, plant the seed, but the watering comes from those who've actually gone through mm-hmm. those trials and tribulations. And then about the music and um, how the dress is prophetic. I mean, even now, um, I tell my daughter, I said, what they call hip-hop now and what we call hip-hop are two totally different things. <laughs> because our hip-hop, we would tell you what the problem is, and then they would tell you what the solution. Sometimes it was a good solution. Sometimes it was a violent solution. But there was a solution behind it. But now when you listen to the music, it's all about the the prophetic behind the music now. It breeds negativity even more so than 10, 20 years ago. You know, I mean, it, it breeds envy. It breeds coveticness. It, it, it breeds, um, you know, the uniformity because they all start to sound the same. They all start to look the same. And that, that the look of um, neither male nor female is going for it. So it's just like all these things are happening right before our eyes. And you can't tell the kids anything because the music, like you read earlier, excuse me, in the week, it it brings, um, it tranquilizes their mind so that they can't think for themselves. And so now they're susceptible to everything that is being put before them. Especially with um, all of a sudden, you know, not all of a sudden, with Beyonce. I hate to use her, you know, call her out. But her songs are saying, um, sorry, I'm not sorry. Everything is about revenge and anger and unforgiveness. So now you're breeding that within these people. And look at where we're at. Anger, unforgiveness, you know, um, unforgiving, just, 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 just oh, total, total um, chaos being breathed into our children. And she's supposed to represent something that is a symbol of where we want our kids to go. But she's not a good representation anymore. But that was it. Those are the two points I thought I'd bring up.
I'm, I know when you were speaking, and it was coming across my mind is, um, okay, so I got this burning passion, desire to, to really, you know, that's that's my calling to go to that community or that thing. How about if you got that burden, why don't you start by spending a lot of time in prayer regarding that? You know, I, I really, I mean, I just need to know how about spending some time in prayer. And from that, see what that reveals to you, you know. But, see, we want, again, again, you know, okay, so maybe God has put that on your heart. So then if you spend a lot of time in prayer regarding that, God will give you the strategy. Or maybe it might just be all you need to do is to pray in order for God to touch somebody else to move. But it will be revealed to you by prayer. And we too often just want to, I feel, or burn or calling and just begin to move. no. You need to prayer. You might feel that burden. You might feel that calling. But start out with prayer, and then from there, go forth to do whatever calls you to do. And, and, and you're right, Felicia, about, you know, conforming to the world, not being of the world. And if God has called you to go and minister to those people, you don't, I, again, I would say that, you'll be empowered to do whatever needs to be done. And, and that, that is so, so true. That is so true. And you, and not only will you be empowered because he's directing, he's going to draw those to you that you need to touch. So it, it'll be a two-way street. So it won't be you just out there doing something because when you do that, yeah, you're going to get sucked in into the world, into their ways, and the very thing that you are trying to minister to because, first of all, you're walking in your strength. And you're walking under your direction, and you're walking under your understanding. So now that you've done that, you're, you're susceptible to the enemy who's going to suck you in like a dry sponge and some wet water. I can't say amen enough to that. Um, I and I and my um testimony to that is when I was doing my internship. Um, well, you know, we got to a point to where when I began to run the group therapeutic sessions that I would call in sometimes because it was something. Not only did I believe they needed or that would be useful, and that is what I needed to be able to assist them or meet them at their needs, but it was something that they wanted. And so only a couple of times was I able to orchestrate and be able to, you know, have them come on the call sporadically. I think my biggest, excuse me, my biggest thing is the fact that when we believe or know that there is a calling um, on our life to go down a certain path um, with vulnerable individuals or individuals that live a very a vulnerable lifestyle or have vulnerable experiences, it's a whole lot more to it than we believe on the outside. Excuse me. Uh, never a day did I think that, one, the population of individuals that I served would be my client. I had this idea, idealistic thought process that I would initially go in and help teenagers. And what I really 
my heart, what my heart told me I wanted to do was to help young uh, pregnant mothers. And, and because that's what I saw parallel to my life, teenage mothers who were trying to navigate through life and be able to put themselves, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, become grounded and rooted so that they will be able to be prosperous. Never did I think that I would deal with minority women who had drug issues, who were addicted. And because they were addicted, what came with that was a host and a myriad of other things. We're talking about domestic violence. We're talking about violence in the home, not only from the hands of their lovers. We're talking about homosexuality. We're talking about drug addiction. We're talking about these um, extravagant lifestyles. And you're talking about people, women, well, for me, with that group, talking about women who have been in prison, who had killed their lovers because of the abuse. Then I go down another line where there's mental health issues associated with that then there are health issues associated with that. And so for me to have gone in, for me to have gone down this path and not saw it, you know, through prayer would have, um, I can't say it would have killed me, but it would have, you know, it would have had a serious toll on me because I know day number one, for me in my internship to meet a woman who was HIV positive, has known she had been HIV positive for approximately eight years, very vocal about going out having sex with men that she met and not telling them that she was HIV positive really put me on my behind where I really had to sit. I had to think, I had to pray, and I had to ask God to guide me through this whole entire thing because my thought yet again outside of the classroom to apply what, to apply and actually walk in the path that I felt God was taking me in, the classroom application was my first epiphany, like, God, I know if this is what you really want me to do, you're going to have to do something different in me because all of it seems to be crazy to me. But then to walk down the path even further to apply those things, those that learned information and the giftings that God blessed me with to the population of people that really need it was another experience. And so I, you know, had to seek God on a much more in-depth level to be able to endure what I say that God gifted me to do. So to be gifted or say that God has gifted or directed you to do something and then have the understanding 
all of the um, <clears throat> situations that come with it and knowing that you're going to need him way more than you ever thought you would to even get through it was a, a real eye-opener for me. To the point that it kept me praying when I even when I didn't even realize I was praying. Amen. Amen. All righty then. (laughs) Fashion has also given us the heroin chic look that functions to prophesy Jezebel's mixes of addiction. When constant throughout most fashion history, Jezebel's ability to flaunt and model seductive styles. Believers should not wear these styles because of prophetic messages. The point is not for us to wear conservative clothing, but to come up with radical styles that release the kingdom of God on earth. To this point, WWJD braces are the closest thing we've seen of Christian fashion trends. Even multitudes of non-believers thought it was cool to wear those bracelets. But we're going further than that. Some Elijah revolutionists are going to get a hold of this idea and begin to prophesy with a fashion style that captivates the world. If you are a believer who loves fashion, ask God if he has put you here to be a unique kind of prophet for the advancement of the kingdom. You need to recognize the world's influences from Jezebel and avoid mixing them in with what God inspires you to create. In in his creative heart, he knows what fashions can capture the hearts of a generation. He just needs someone to see it and then reproduce it. It only takes a spark to start a fire. Know who you are. Know what mountain you're called to. Know who your enemy is. Know your mission and then be released. The mountain of celebration affects and even creates pop culture. Those who platforms reaching millions are at the top of this mountain. I haven't covered other sources of entertainment, but they seem to be much lower down the mountain. Our specific call is to take up the take the top of the mountain and displace powers of principalities at that level. This affects the second heaven thought of life of cities, regions, and nations. I, I think I need to read that again. Our specific call, I'm going to start at the top. The mountain of celebration affects and even creates pop culture. Those who platform reaches millions are at the top of this mountain. I haven't covered other sources of entertainment, but they seem to be much lower down the mountains. Our specific call is to take the top of the mountain and displace powers and principalities at that level. I'm going to read that one more time. The mountain of celebration affects and even creates pop culture. Those who platforms reaches millions at the top of this mountain. I haven't covered other sources of entertainment, but they seem to be much down lower than mountains. Our specific call, yours, mine, everybody's who hearing me. Now, when I say who's hearing me, I ain't talking about who's hearing my voice. But when I say our specific doing something inside of you. When I say our specific call, you like, mm. When I say our specific call, right there, there's something resonating inside of you that God is saying, I'm talking to you. Oh. You. 
I'm t- I don't know who I am. I, that's fine, but you do have an assignment as for the top of the mouth. I'm talking to you. So when I say our specific call, I need you to change your understanding and get your mind that you're a grasshopper, get rid of that. Get your mind that I can't get rid of that. Or even if you can't, go on back to what did I do to thing. Those guys that are bigger and much greater than I am. But my God. But my God. This is the last time I'm reading this. The mountain of celebration affects and even creates pop culture. Those who platform reaches millions are at the very top of this mountain. I haven't covered other sources of entertainment, but they seem to be much lower down this mountain. Our specific call is to take the top of the mountain and displace powers and principalities at that level. This affects the second heaven thought life of cities, regions, and nations. If you are already positioned in a place for some influence that's low on the mountain, secure that area for the kingdom of God. You are an ambassador. You are in ministry as we all are. And as you lift up the fire spirit of Elijah, you can begin to release heaven all around you. Geographically, Hollywood is clearly at the top of the mountain. New York, Seattle, Las Vegas, San Francisco, and New Orleans have altars close to the top of the mountain. Geographical locations are not secured in the spirit by the sons and daughters of the king. They will receive very severe judgment. For New Orleans, the center of Mardi Gras and Voodoo, Hurricane Katrina was an example. San Francisco has, has a sentence judgment hanging over it, tied into being a homosexual hub of the nation and maybe for the world. Righteous judgments will assist us in retaking these geographical areas. The judgment will be a form from which to call out for repentance. Many people have a problem with the idea of God allowing catastrophic judgments on cities, but he does. They are an extension of his grace. Jesus heading into hell, he will intervene and overturn the boat. <coughs> Why? Because some could turn back and be spared. They proceed to get back on the boat to knock them over again and attempt to save them before final harsh judgment. When severe judgment saves someone from even a worse judgment, it's... So in other words, we need to transform our ways of thinking the way God thinks. Uh-huh. We talked about the four. There was a tsunami in those nations. And, oh, how could God allow that? But then after that, it allowed missionaries and people to come in there, and they readily accepted it, and then, uh, then the gospel began to become proclaimed in that area or region. See, what you must understand, and that book that Lisa ain't read yet that I gave her, she's sitting on a thing about the black destiny, <clears throat> just hint, hint. But what much you must understand, and if you will go through our scripture, names of areas and regions have been changed, but when the gospel went forth and the disciples after Jesus, when I'm talking about the 70, the 12, and the 3, and the 1, they went forth to our regions of the world, they was rejected. They rejected the gospel. Areas and regions of the world, and when they did, you will see the disciples. I washed, I, I wiped the sand off of my shoes. Those same areas are some of the same areas now that we're talking about with the tsunamis and other areas. So, happened, and that's why then the, the the state that they're in now, in these last days, is reaching out to these areas again, saying, "I'm gonna give you another chance, 
again, our way is not his way, not his thoughts, but he gives everybody an opportunity. He wants no one to go to hell. Some cities are known for forms of entertainment that shouldn't even be saved. Las Vegas. <coughs> Las Vegas gambling, for example, has no redemptive value. There is not a Christian gambling alternative. This is a non-Christian pr- prostitution alternative or Christian strip clubs. I couldn't help but laugh at that one. I, I, I just... Son entertainment is only fit for elimination. The Lord has his sons and daughters working in all the cities mentioned above to bring his redemption to bear in those places. Wherever Satan comes in like a flood, there the Lord will raise the standard. He will work on behalf of his active ambassadors in all places of darkness. Each city has the potential to turn around and become the over God. History tells us that. The Zulu Street Revival produced, proceeded from Los Angeles beginning in April 1906. September 23, 1857, Santa rented a hall on Fulton Street began a prayer movement that led to what some call the Third Great Awakening. Only six people came the first day for the lunch prayer. It was a slow, gradual increase days later. In six months, the prayer movement has spread across the nation. It more than 10,000 every noon in New York City alone. It eventually jumped up the nations too. Wow. You know, God gives you an alternative. God gives you time. God gives you, hey, you know, look, this is about to happen, but if you want to listen, here I am. Look at how many people jumped out the window. They lost everything, but they didn't really realize until after they jumped off the window that then they had lost everything. Now they're in eternity with no chance of redemption. Mm-hmm. God shaking the cities and nations work hand in hand with people doing their part to bring about kingdom revolution. After the Zuzu Street revival began, San Francisco experienced an infamous great San Francisco earthquake in 1906 state of the city. In New York, it was less than three weeks after Jeremy Lanaper began his prayer meetings at the stock market crash. Taking his sister's initiatives that are being activated by... At some point, however, a city can be so given over to sin that the Lord would instruct his children to leave that city catastrophic judgment therein. And that's Sodom and Gomorrah. There are cities to be strategically targeted. There are institutions to be individuals to be and many things to displace. But we must always remember to come in with a replacement what was formerly there. Save returns seven times stronger if we only knock them off the mound without replacing them. Now that speaks value. That 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 see. Mm. And that would even let you know, is this something that God is doing or is this something that I'm doing? Because that's scriptural, what he just said. You clean a house and nothing's in there to take it, he comes back with seven more spirits. So 
understand it, that's, that's, a spirit, that's a spiritual principle. So if God is doing something, he's doing something not just to knock somebody off the mountain or that spirit, but he's coming in with a replacement. Now, this is what I see, just, just from me seeing things from this point of view. It's going to take more than an individual. It's going to take an organization or organizations formulated to do that because it's too big, it's too much. And those were people who would have to be in one accord with God in their own specific strategy, and if someone along the way they're going to meet up with another group who has their own specific strategy, and somebody will meet up, and as God is ascending his mountain, they're going to all begin to see as I talk about pieces of a that piece of the puzzle fits with this piece of the puzzle, piece fits with that piece of the puzzle. Oh, yeah. Now we see what God's doing together, and we're in one accord, and we can work together, not against each other. That's what I, that's what I see, because it's too big and too strong, and in that way, God will get the glory. Oh. There are cities to be strategically targeted. There are institutions to be targeted. There are individuals to be targeted. There are altars to be overthrown, and many things are displaced. But we must always remember to come in with a replacement for what was formerly there. Satan returns seven times stronger if we only knock him off the mountain without replacing him. Hollywood ratings board is a very important target, as we are as our Disney and Motown. The critics who write reviews and committees that give awards like the Oscars and Grammys are also extremely important. Their seal of approval can jumpstart movies and musicians who have no business being jumpstarted. The most important direction of strategy, however, is hearing from the Lord. It's possible to waste a lot of time going after something that seems strategic. We just allow the Lord to promote us, crumble around us. The taking of this mountain is a spiritual war, and we must never lose sight of that reality. What will cause the collapse of every mountain of the enemy is the Lord's house being exalted in area. His celebration will begin to release disfavor and, and dissemination of the enemy's celebration. So in other words, as God is being elevated and promoted, he will begin to, to, um, to see, you know, fall apart. I remember um, in one of our readings, and it has to be somewhere where soccer was a big, huge thing, because they call it football, you know, another and just like they talked about the Street Revival, it was a handful of people that got together in prayer, prayer line. And whatever happened, it started, it started, and then like, I, I, I don't remember specifics of how all of a sudden it just, it just tremendously turned into this great big thing. But what I do remember is that the whole city was transformed. Now, when I'm saying the whole city was transformed, just like I say, soccer was a big thing, people started going to churches rather than going to the soccer fields. People stopped doing their, their regular business and going to churches. And so, you know, which, like, okay, imagine, imagine the Super Bowl coming up. But God has gotten so important to people's lives, you know what, I'm going to church rather than tuning on the Super Bowl. You think that ain't going to get the world's attention? And it's not doing it to make a point. It's doing it because I, whatever has transformed in my life, God is now more important to me and my relationship with him 
Again, look at our current president. See what I'm saying now. See what's going on. Open your eyes to the bigger game. Because what the things that God is doing in my life and my situation is much more important than me looking at a football game, than me doing the normal things that I do because nobody could have saved my wife, my, my family, my, my job, all these negative things that happened, but God supernaturally stepped in. I'm going to honor and praise my God. The game will be there. Right now I got all these things. I can record it anyway, so it ain't that even big of an issue. I, I don't have to go to this, this concert. Right now, I recognize that God has got, he's more important. See, that's it. Where all the, all the normal events, they just weren't there because people had lost the desire to attend them. That's what he's talking about, that kind of revolution. And Sam, it's funny that you said that because it was a couple of years ago I had a, it was a family over here not that far from me. The husband went and took his whole paycheck and bet it on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Wait a minute, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. And he lost. He didn't know how to go and tell his wife he just lost his whole paycheck on the Super Bowl. So what he did was he went home. And she had... I, she had kids um, before she got with him, either after she got with him by somebody else. But what he did, he just killed off the ones that he was responsible for. Oh, he let his stepson go. And uh, also it was like a, uh, it was one of the wife's grandsons that was over there. He let those two go. But he killed his wife, his son, and his daughter. His daughter tried to leave out the door with the stepson and with the grand and with the grandson. And when she was trying to leave out the door with them, he shot her in the back. All right then. So uh, once people realized what was going on, because the stepson went and told the you know went and got help and told the police what was going on in the house. When they got over there to the house. The man went upstairs and had a massive heart attack and died. Well, he had to go, bro. Say the bullet. So, so they had a uh, they had real nice funerals for the wife, the son, and the daughter. To him, they just had a little meager funeral service for him over at the funeral home. And everybody's trying to figure out what happened. What happened? Because they said, you know, uh, before he got to this part, before he got to this point, you see the family together, everything looks okay. Even the people at his job, they said, you know, they didn't have any, never had any problem out of them. But something took them to the point of being desperate. Huh? That spirit gets a hold of you, and you just it takes over you. You don't even people don't even recognize what's going on. Right. All of a sudden, it's totally in control. With the spirit of desperation. Yeah. Desperation, death. 
I mean, what is what is Satan's ultimate goal? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now, right. how he's going to perform that in each of our lives is differently, but that's his ultimate goal. And like I said, for this guy, he killed off all his family members, I guess, that hopes to get um, the insurance money. <laughs> and confusion. <laughs> but in the meantime, he goes upstairs and then has a massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't trying to get no insurance money. He was, he, 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 I really to talk about that all the time. It was one of those things where in that momentary lapse of judgment where he saw he lost everything and he wouldn't uh-huh. be able to provide for his because, mm-hmm. as you said, he only killed his. Right. He, 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 so if I can't provide for them, that I'm going to kill them. But the heart mm-hmm. attack came because after the spirit uplifted, after the spirit lifted and his eyes were opened, he saw what he did and he, could, he, he couldn't deal with the actual reality of his actions. Because mm-hmm. now, I mean, think about it. You're... And that's why it's so it's so imperative that once your eyes are opened, once you you know, like they say, uh, awake, that you stay awake, that you don't go back to old habits or anything. Because the thing is, he was he first of all, who bets who, who uses their whole paycheck. There was a desperation even in that action. Mm-hmm. So the when he when he saw how he lost everything. Now I bet if they if if they looked into his finances, he was trying to make up for other money he had already lost. So in his desperation he decided to kill everything that he was responsible for. He was that blind to his situation, but it not not understanding that it was a temporary circumstance, a temporary right. setback. And he chose a permanent he, solution. Right. He, he chose what he thought was going to be an easy way out. Right. But then the thing was, it was the spirit that the spirit of that desperation that hired him blind that made him make that choice. Right. The heart attack came because he woke up. He woke up and the spirit of desperation let him see. And now it's like, oh my God, what did I just do? And that's how it is with anything. God gave us, a, he gives us a way out. How many different ways out did he have from the time he thought of going and getting his whole check on the Super Bowl mm-hmm. up to the time that he decided to kill his family? So it's, it's, it's just, 
And then you look at how many people are today, the way they go about listening to these songs about killing. And you uh-huh. wonder why so many teenagers are out here killing. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, so, yeah, this mountain is, is a mess. And there's no there's no easy answer because you can say God all day and you can show God all day, but because the enemy is so saturated in the music because this was his this was his job before he fell. So he knows the intricacies of what music can do. Well, we can't even touch the. We can't even touch the um the tip of the iceberg. He knows how deeply rooted we need that the music goes. I told my daughter. I said, I, I, church irritates me because I don't need somebody to hype me up with music for me to want to receive the word of God. So it's like, whoa. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.